Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 32 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast presented by title sponsor, CST Tires. This is our Redbud review show, but it's also so much more than that. Chad Weenan absolutely spanked the field at Redbud, leaving every lap but one and stretching his points lead in the process. So it felt like our coverage wouldn't be complete without hearing from the six-time champ. He stole the show and will join us right away to talk about it. We'll finish our coverage of the event, and as we transition out of the pro class, there was a buzz around a certain rider returning to racing. After seven years away from the sport, former pro class podium finisher Nick DeNoble returned to racing at Redbud. He's a good friend of mine and has been itching to get on, and this was the perfect opportunity to do so. We'll cover his entire career, plus his return, and I have to say, this has to be one of my favorite interviews we've ever done here on the podcast. You'll really enjoy that. Coming up shortly. Then you'll hear from Todd Mackey, who most of you probably know because he's a legend within the ATV community. Todd was born with cerebral palsy and struggled to be mobile until he found his wheels. He quickly learned that on four wheels, he was no longer quote-unquote disabled. Against all odds, Todd became a well-known member of the ATV community, and you'd struggle to find someone who enjoys the sport as much as Todd does. You'll hear his amazing story, some current racing talk, and more from Todd as he joins the show. Finally, our final guest of the night is Ryan Smith, owner of Lake Sugar Tree Motorsports Park there in Virginia, the next stop on the ATV National Tour. I wanted to get Ryan on to talk about his facility, a place we've never raced before, and it was a really awesome conversation. Ryan is a former pro bike rider himself and has a special connection to ATV racing, so we'll get into all of that to conclude the show. Great content for you guys to listen to either before we head to Virginia or while you're traveling down there killer show tonight a bunch of great content diverse stuff so it's going to be a lot of fun chad weenan will start us off get ready to dig deep but first let's hear a quick word from all the great sponsors that make this show possible thanks to our title sponsor cst tires csttires.com the pulse mxr tire is the best tire on the market no matter what the terrain join the cst takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did cst tires where passion meets the ground Thank you to Motorsports Powerhouse and show sponsor, Yamaha. We are proud to be partnered with the winningest manufacturer of the past decade in ATV motocross and the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. The Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast's Team Blue Crew. Thank you, Yamaha. Check them out at YamahaOutdoors.com. Thanks to another member of Racing Royalty and longtime sponsor of my personal racing efforts, Valvoline. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to innovating and improving your riding and driving experience. The world's oldest oil company still leads the charge with unrivaled products and lubricants. Thanks to Team Valvoline for coming on board. Thank you to SSI Decals. SSI Decals is the decal choice of champions everywhere and is synonymous with the best decals and graphics kits on the market. Their track record speaks for itself. Champions choose SSI Decals for unmatched look and quality. Thanks to those guys. Check them out today at SSIDecals.com. It's an absolute honor to be partnered with Wienan Motorsports. We all know him as one of the toughest competitors ATV Motocross has ever seen, and Chad Wienan has built quite the business within the industry as well. 
the same products he handpicked to help him win six AMA ATV Pro National Championships are available to you through Wiener Motorsports. Simply put, he sells what he races. So head over to wienermotorsports.com to see everything they have to offer and use promo code DIGDEEP to save at checkout. Thanks to Chad Wienan and Wiener Motorsports for further legitimizing everything we're doing here at Digging Deep. It's an absolute honor. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and the 520 ATD2 X-Ring Chain. Team USA, Joel Hetrick, and myself trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality all the way to championship victory this past season. Wherever you go, go with DID. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and keeping costs affordable to gold. This Michigan-based family operation is here to push stereotypes and limitations while recognizing riders' desire to showcase their identity with eccentric colorways and crazy patterns. Gripped is driven to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. Get a grip on life. Check them out at grippedgloves.com. That's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save. Thanks to the Decker Training Facility. The Decker Training Facility at County Line MX is now open. This premier motocross training compound is located in beautiful Fountain, Florida, a short 40-minute drive from Panama City Beach. Their rapidly growing facility consists of a pro-level national track, amateur and youth tracks, woods loop, and mountain bike trails. Everything you need to train comfortably all winter long is available on site, including private cabins, a full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage, dump station, wash bays, and more. With accommodations for riders across the country and around the world, the Decker Training Facility will help you become the best rider you can be. Sign up for a group training session or a private lesson with nationally ranked pros. Train tougher, smarter, and harder this off-season at one of Florida's most luxurious facilities. For more information, go to DeckerTrainingFacility.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Decker Training Facility, your elite training experience. Thank you, Namira Technologies. Namira, Pistons with an Attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side markets since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. To purchase, visit your local dealer or online at namira.com. That's N-A-M-U-R-A.com. Also, a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to 4Works Carbon for the continued support. Known for their hoods, seat covers, array of carbon parts, and so much more. 4Works is your one-stop shop to give your ATV a new and improved look with increased function this year. Head over to the social media pages or website today. Thanks to 4Works Carbon. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. DP is the brand responsible for allowing Joel Hedrick, your host Cody Jansen, and so many others to outbreak the competition every time they hit the racetrack. It's never too late to join the team, so act fast. www.dp-brakes.com Thank you to Mountaineer Brand. If you know me, you know I love my... What the? Hey, that's my line. If you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brand's all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code CODYSFAVE in all caps. That's C-O-D-Y-S-F-A-V, CODYSFAVE in all caps at mountaineerbrand.com. 
We're thankful for our partnership with Factory 43. Since 2007, this racer-owned company has been striving to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time, producing bumpers, grab bars, nerf bars, and other accessories. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Chris Borich, and Grayson Eller with their motocross and cross-country versions of Evo Nerf Bars and MX Style front bumpers. Head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of products, thanks to Factory 43. We are proud to be partnered with Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC. Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Now 10 years later, BTQ LLC has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock, but they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with guaranteed delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders of over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off of orders $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us, support our industry's small businesses, and thank you BTQ LLC. We are proud of our partnership with Roman Health. On average, Americans are forced to wait 29 days to see a doctor in major US cities. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform to connect you with a licensed doctor in your state from the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. Plus, there's no commitments and you can cancel any time with Roman. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. Thanks as always to Evans Waterless Power Sports Cooling. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to Blender's Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market, blenderseyewear.com. Thanks to Avocado Green Mattresses, the Avocado Mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit. Meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you are experiencing next level comfort. With a 100 night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25 year warranty, getting your Avocado Green Mattress could not be any easier. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com. From our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for supporting the number one podcast in ATV racing and making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands inside and outside of the industry so better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. And if you enjoy the show, the best thing you can do is support our partners. If you're interested in becoming a partner of the show, shoot me a message or email today for more details. We are running a discounted partnership rate to assist small businesses, so message or email us today to keep your brand relevant. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. 
All right, guys, let's welcome our first guest of the night. And with the way that he dominated at Redbud, our coverage wouldn't be complete without him. Brought to you by SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. You know who it is. It's six time, Mr. Chad Weenan. Thanks for joining us again, pal. Hey, no problem, Cody. You know, uh, do enjoy it. Uh, it's good to be good to be back on, you know, so soon. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we can keep keep everything going on the right track. And I really feel good on my machine. So I'm really enjoying riding right now. <laughs> it sure looks like it, man. I like to try to keep our guest, uh, our guest, you know, guests that we that we take on, take on the show here, pretty diverse. But um, like I said, with the way that the the weekend that you had, we had to be able to hear from you the the way that you dominated the pack. So, like I said, absolutely dominant day at Redbud, routing the rest of the pack and route to one one performance there. Um, but what sticks out to me more than anything is the way that you did it. Uh, your early race intensity was next level. Uh, it looked like you really emphasized that and then executed it to perfection. I mean, you didn't get either whole shot and you led every lap but one. So tell us about your day a little bit. Yeah, just, man, uh, we went, actually went into the weekend on a brand new machine. So, like, I spent a lot of time in the mechanics area on the qualifiers and just kind of fine-tuning and getting it, getting it, exactly the way I want it I don't know if you remember like usually in years past I'm pretty like once I ride something I just like to stay with it and just you know ride through it and yeah I think this year I'm really particular on how my setup is and I know exactly what I want so I mean I think that's uh one big thing that I brought to the table this year like with my setup like I'm really feeling the machine really well and you know just getting it where I want it and then you know, once we got it there, it was just, you know, a matter of riding it to the front. Like, uh, definitely the track was, the track was really good this year. Like even last year, it was, I felt like it was really tough to pass in certain areas. And like, it seemed like how rough it got this year that, um, even if there was a pretty dominant line, like you could actually, like, I felt like I could bowl my way through and, you know, get up along somebody and, you know, try to make them you know, surrender to this position, but man, uh, I guess I've been really working on my early, early race intensity, just, um, you know, through practicing, but it's hard to, you know, mock that feeling, you know, and go out and, and just pour on right away. But that's just a comfortable thing, you know, just being comfortable on the machine and knowing what it's going to do. And, you know, even if the track is a little bit wet, like you still like, you feel like you got a hundred percent control and, you know, it's just, it's hard to describe because in years past, I tried to do the same thing and work on my intensity, but sometimes you just don't go out there and you don't feel it. So I was just feeling it all weekend long. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see. And, and I guess that makes sense um, because I think even like over the PA, they were talking about you in the time qualifier, like, Oh, Chad must be having a problem with his quad, this, that, and the other thing. But um, it makes sense that you're getting it exactly where you wanted. You were just being particular with it because, I mean, Redbud is Redbud, right? Like on the second lap, you probably can, you kind of know it, you know, it's not that much different. Um, just the bumps come in different and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was great. It just looked like you were on rails. Like I said, the, the early intensity in the races stuck out to me and you were using that gnarly Redbud whoop section to your advantage. Uh, it, it truly like, 
you were in your own stratosphere through those things. Um, so it, it was just uh, like, it was gnarly for everybody, you know, like typically you guys, there's not a section that they can build that can slow you guys down. Um, and it was able to slow you guys down, but it was slowing the other guys down a whole lot less than you. So uh, I, I, I'm assuming you wish you had a whoop section like that at every track. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, man, it's, it's hard to go to like these tracks and, you know, I, I understand it's like, it's a, it's a bigger amateur program than it is a pro program. So they can't make the tracks too gnarly that, you know, we get a bunch of people hurt. So, I mean, I felt that red blood, the sand rollers were, I mean, that's a great place to have a gnarly section where if you commit to them, you can go fast and have a high risk of going down. So in the videos that I saw, like, man, like every single pass that I went through there, I was getting kicked around and like they felt a lot better on the machine than they looked on, you know, video. Right. But man, like I just, I just enjoy having sections like that, that they are challenging every time you go through them and they're not just pushing the gas and leaning off the back of the machine. There's a lot of, you know, throttle control, body position, clutch control, like it all goes together just trying to make it through that, that section. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, uh, even like as a, as an amateur racer or whatever, sitting on the line, knowing that there's a place out there on the track where it's not one lined, no matter what. So if you commit, you can probably make a pass. I really like that feeling. So, uh, just in general, I know that, I mean, it's been covered, uh, in depth that, you know, Redbud's your favorite track. It's mine too. And so many others. So, um, I just, I thought it was probably one of the best Redbuds that there's been in a long time, like you said, for the multiple lines and it just got gnarly. So yeah, to, to, for you to say that, uh, it, the whoop section there felt better than it looked, but you had to watch not, not discrediting anybody, but then you watch you versus the other guys in those videos. And it's like, it still is like night and day. So, um, had to be still pretty cool for you to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool, and um, I just kind of took – I mean, obviously, I took that to my advantage. I would charge hard to that section, and I could rest myself and just hit my marks the rest of the places, and I just, you know, watch my, my gap stretch out. And once I got to a certain spot, I just kind of um, rode my machine home and didn't put any extra stress on it, and, you know, just – man just it's been a long time since i won one and man that just felt so so good just to be the fastest guy hands down you yeah it just there's just no better feeling than that absolutely i can't imagine um you definitely left no doubt and i guess in my opinion one thing that doesn't get emphasized enough when it comes to your program chad and i, I think i've brought this up on the show before but it's not like you're not just the rider, you know, behind the scenes, you're also prepping the bikes. You just talked about breaking out a new bike. So you're piecing that thing together. Um, you know, you're assembling motors, you're, you're literally doing it all. And I guess like personally, I even know how rewarding it feels to succeed having had your hands on every part of, you know, the quad, every aspect of the program, um, because that's how I do my program on a lower level. So I guess, um, for you then at the pinnacle of the sport, talk about, I guess, uh, how it feels when you win, knowing you didn't just show up and ride a prepped quad, 
you're riding the quad that you built and you prepped, that has to be, you know, double, double the rewarding feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels normal now just because I've been doing it for so long. And uh, I mean, it doesn't go without notice that, you know, I had to learn, you know, I didn't just jump into this one day and just start doing this. I, I learned from the best, uh, you know, Ryan Cox, he was my mechanic, you know, for several years from, uh, man, 07 on, he was my mechanic till, uh, 2012. So yep. just learning from him and, you know, learning the ins and outs and this goes all the way, all the way back to like D Manshack when I was riding Hondas, like he, I was breaking engines left and right, cracking cases and he would, uh, showing, you know, little tricks I'm putting the engines together because I couldn't afford to, you know, to pay somebody to do it because I was tearing them up that much. Sure. So, I mean, uh, just the, the years that you put in, the thing, the tricks you learn along the way. And, man, uh, Thomas showed me uh, a new tool that he had, uh, like a valve spring compressor that's like I, – I use the old one, like the crank style with the spring. and Yep. Um, he showed me one that he just puts on the, on the bench and presses it down and mm-hmm. it just made it very easy to do. I, I'll probably still use mine, but, <laughs> um, it just made it very easy to do and to take them out and everything. So it's kind of, well, I'm still learning, you know, and I, I enjoy that part of it because, you know, when you stop learning is, you know, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be as fun anymore. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you find, you find fun in the whole program, I feel like. So for you, um, you probably couldn't even go back to not having your hands on um, your, your quad the way you do, because now like, you know, it's, you have a standard and it's at that standard and you're comfortable with it. And, and you kind of uh, can trust the machine, I guess, knowing it that way. So I guess it, I, I don't think it probably gets covered enough that you are, you know, you're a six time champ doing, winning all of those championships, doing it, uh, with your own prep work, your own build work, all that stuff. And, uh, I just think it's, uh, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty special thing, especially when you're able to go out there, you're able to, you know, ride fast enough to, to get to moto wins and still like you're riding the machine to, uh, like not break it, I guess, you know, I I just feel like you got this, such a, a great combination. It's a, uh, it's a pretty cool thing to see and, and something that you should be really proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And, you know, it just, um, I just enjoy that time that I get to, you know, work on the machines. It's kind of like, I don't think anybody really wants to say that, but I actually look forward to working on the machines and learning from them. And then I, I think that really helps me on my setup as well. Like understanding how everything works and, you know, the testing i love the testing part when you get new parts because you know we've been developing this yz for the r i mean i have since 2012 and we made it even better again this year and it's like wow like where when's you know the when are we going to hit the wall of you know not being able to make this thing better so it's kind of cool that able to do that and progress absolutely yeah it's Awesome thing with, with both what you and Yamaha have done together. It's, uh, it's been really fun to see. So coming off of two good points weekends for you, you're currently sitting with a 13-point advantage with three races, three events remaining. Um, I'm curious to know how you're feeling with where you're at because the entire championship has a, you know, it's got a much different 
feel right now. We're usually, we usually have just Loretta's and, and the pro only event at Ironman left, but this year we're racing deep into the fall. We have a Virginia track. We've never been to a new Texas event in South of the border as the, the, the finale instead of an early round. Um, our championship as a whole just, has been so similar for so many years 2020 just seems bizarre so how are you feeling heading into the stretch run with so many so many changes from years past yeah i mean it's definitely definitely different having you know we're only a week and a half into our you know our month-long break so that's going to be definitely weird i've been really uh, focusing on just getting you know things around home just kind of buttoned up and then do some riding here and there but keep up my off machine training and you know just keep my riding fresh and you know just like I got to keep it poured on and you know just what happened last year anything can happen and I'm just I'm focused and I don't want to give up any sort of like um, any any push for on Joel's end I want to keep the pressure on and keep pushing and you know not give him any confidence I want to keep keep riding this high that I'm on right now yeah it's awesome you know you, you definitely got all the momentum the series looks a whole lot different uh after the past two races so um like I said we're obviously grateful to be racing we kind of said that to each other before we hopped on hopped on the live recording here um it's just a just a different feeling series this year when you know year after year in the past they seemed you know, pretty darn similar. So, you know, like you said, typically you just got Loretta's, you know, that iconic race and, and the pro only event, but yeah, this year's just different for sure. So um, last week and, and talking, I guess, about more changes and more, more changes from years past. So last week we learned that the Texas event was being moved from our typical spot at underground um, to another track, three palms, it was also announced on Saturday, it'll be like a typical uh, pro event for you guys, typical national day. Um, and then for Sunday, that'll act, I guess, as a double header for the pros only. The amateur event will go on as scheduled like normal. Um, so the plan is to do one qualifier in a one moto format on Sunday, right? But basically, this is in place of the, of the Ironman pro only round. And that gives you guys the originally scheduled number of events. So what are your thoughts uh, on this? Is this something that you were lobbying for? And will you do anything different that weekend? Or will you just hop on the same bike you rode Saturday, put down a heater and then, you know, race, go race one additional moto, no big deal. You know, my, my plan is on, you know, you know, Saturday race, obviously the same old thing there. And then Sunday, you know, more than likely, we'll just uh, do like a uh, like a uh, like a, I'll probably do a, I'll try to do a full prep on my machine just because and you know going to that track down there in Texas I know it's pretty sandy so I'm just gonna try to do a full prep of the track uh, over that night and you know just try to go out there and put a good heater in and not I'm used to riding on Sunday so it really it really doesn't uh, make a big difference to me so. I think that will come into our advantage just because we're used to riding on Sunday and not, it won't be like that weird feeling of like getting up and be like, Oh shoot. Like we got a race today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I didn't think about that too much, but yeah, I mean, if you go back, 
you know, five years or whatever, you wouldn't be used to that. But now that you've been racing the pro stock class, you've been riding on Sunday anyway. So um, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, that wasn't something I even had on my radar to have, have kind of another event there. But um, I think, you know, if, if, if that creates more income for you guys or kind of gets back to uh, gets back to, you know, having as many races as you guys signed up for, um, that's good news for everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely we were pushing for it. Okay. We were definitely pushing for it and to get that extra round put back in because, you know, I know a couple of my contracts are, you know, contracts that run the full, the full, uh, 10 rounds, especially with the coronavirus that had, what had gone, gone on. So, you know, it's, it'll be good to get our full season in and, you know, uh, you know, when we race, that's how we make our money. So we get, we get that event in and we got more opportunities to, to make more, more of an income. Absolutely. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up to you because I, I assumed the way that you go about your business, you were probably one of the people lobbying for this thing. So um, yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up. So up next is the Loretta's uh, replacement race with Lake Sugar Tree in Virginia. Have you looked into that track at all or what to expect there or anything like that? Um, I really just looked into like, I just seen some photos of it and talking to people that have been there before and you know, they say it's a really nice facility, like um, just a track. They said it had lacked in some track width. So, okay. um, I just, you know, I, I reached out to Harv and see, you know, if, if that is true, that if they have time to go and work on that so that, you know, I guess the biggest thing you want to be able to try to go in and make a splash and make people fall in love with the facility so that we come back to it. And Absolutely. I think um, – you know, just from the feedback I've gotten from people that have been there. And that was one of the bigger concerns with the, with the track. So hopefully, hopefully they're able to get out, get out and do some work to it and make the track width wider. And maybe this is the place that we'll go to more often. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's exciting. I think for um, ATV racing to go where the where the, the owner, where that group uh, really wants to have us and, and is pro to, ATV racing. So, um, that's exciting. So we have, we have owner Ryan Smith coming up later on the show. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing from him and hearing him talk about his track, but yeah, Chad, uh, congrats on another huge, huge weekend, huge win at red bud. You're inching closer to number seven. And, uh, as always, I want to thank you for your support of the show with Wien and motorsports, of course, thanks for being an awesome guest as always. And, uh, good luck in Virginia. We'll, uh, we'll see you there. I just can't thank you enough. Yeah, sounds good, Cody, and thanks a lot. And, you know, we're in the right direction, but a lot of work to do. So I'm excited for, you know, the challenge that lies ahead. And maybe we'll catch up and ride in between this break and talk Bob and to open up the track for us or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. You, uh, you let me know, and I'm there. So thanks again for everything, Chad, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Cody. Later. Great stuff there from your current points leader, Chad Weenan. I don't know how else to say it other than that. He was in a, a league of his own there at Redbud. 1-1. He's up 13 points now, like we said. Three races left, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Joel Hattrick, he was 2-2 on the day there um, for second overall. He made a run in the first moto at the end of the race and really closed up the gap. Um, he said he was struggling with some setup, but overall – that's 
such a Chad Wienan track for Joel Hetrick to come away with 2-2 there. 13 points isn't insurmountable, especially, you know, for, for a rider like Joel Hetrick. So still, I don't think, uh, don't think it's panic mode or anything for him yet, but he's going to make, uh, going to be forced to make these last races count. That's for sure. Thomas Brown, 3-3. He was clearly the third best guy on the day. That's been kind of a, a, a theme. Um, and, and just overall that, the pace of this class is so fast right now to be the third guy is a, is a, is a win in itself almost. So Thomas Brown, solid third place again for him this weekend, three, three on the day and um, great ride for Thomas Bryce Ford. He was fourth overall with five, four, fourth overall notable thing for Bryce. There was, he was a fast qualifier on the day. That was his first fast qualifier ever. That was kind of a goal of his and he's been getting closer and closer every weekend. So Fast qualifier for Bryce there, another fourth overall, and now he's tied for fourth in points. The kid never stops impressing us, and he just keeps getting better and better every weekend. So this is going to be an exciting finish to the year as we watch Bryce Ford. Fifth overall, no surprise here, Nick Janusa, 6'5 for fifth overall, almost always a top five lock. But we have to remember, he's been fourth or fifth in every championship he's ever been in as a professional. I cover this in depth, um, covered it a number of times on the on our social media channels. But this year, he finds himself 31 points down. He had two tough races with some DNFs and um, races he didn't finish. And he finds himself 31 points down from being in that top five spot um, this year, that's going to be a tough thing to do. He's just going to have to chip away at that in every moto here going forward. And we'll see what he can do. He's 31 points down, um, from Bryce Ford and Brandon Hogue, who are tied for that fourth spot. So it's going to be a tough, tough fight for him. He's an eighth in points right now. And, um, it's going to be a tough fight, but you can't count him out. He's a scrappy kid, East Coast kid, and um, he's going to just keep chipping away. So we'll see if Nick Janusa can keep that trend going because being a top five pro is a is a huge thing. Um, but this class is so fast, and with this new insertion of fast young riders, we knew that top five spot was going to be tougher to achieve this year, and that's proven to be true. Those two races are working against him, that's for sure, but – We'll see what he can do because the that's why they go race these things. It um, it's not predetermined. You know you got to go earn it, and that's what Nick Janus is going to try to do. Alan Myers he was sixth overall on the weekend, but the notable thing for Alan was he was fourth in the first moto, and he passed a number of guys: um, Brandon Hogue, Bryce Ford, possibly Wesley Wolf. He passed some fast guys to get up there to fourth. So great ride for Alan in the first moto. He came away with eighth in the second moto probably not what he wanted after that first moto but sixth overall for him another great ride and and I keep saying it weekend after weekend but he's looking like that most improved pro he really is so we'll see with a few events remaining um, we'll see what how Allen can finish out his season seventh overall Brandon Hogue he's tied for fourth in points he was seven six on the weekend again not the weekend that Brandon's wanted. We've said that for a few weekends now. He ripped the whole shot in the first moto, so you obviously know he was expecting bigger and better things, but I think he was battling some bike issues. Um, So seventh on the weekend for Brandon, but he's still tied for fourth 
in points with Bryce Ford. And that might be the best race to watch from here till the end of the year is week in, week out. Brandon Hogue versus Bryce Ford. Brandon was hot at the beginning of the season. Bryce is hot right now. It's kind of clash of the Titans and the leader of the pack for this next generation, this next era of pro class racing, these up and coming guys. It's a battle for supremacy there. So we'll see, but that's going to be a fun fight to watch here as it's, it's basically the start of the season for these guys because they're tied after the races that we've had so far. So three, four events remaining here um, with the doubleheader at Texas, however you want to count that. It's going to be a fight to the finish, and you're not going to want to miss it. Eighth place was Wesley Wolf at Redbud. Typical Wesley Wolf type day. Um, he's at lock, it seems, for that six, seven, eight spot. So eighth for Wesley Wolf. Ninth was Wes Lewis. He was top 10, back in the top 10. Welcome back to the top 10, Wes Lewis. Great ride there for ninth. He, his goal was to be top 10 every weekend. Had a couple uh, tough races these last few, but he's back in the top 10 with ninth overall, and he ended up winning the Pro Mod class on Sunday, for so great for Wes Lewis. 10th, rounding out the top 10, Troy Hill. He was on our last episode, great guest. That was his fourth consecutive top 10. So awesome job for the rookie there. Um, yeah, big, big accomplishment uh, to be top 10 in this class right now. And he came in under the radar like we kind of discussed on the last episode. So great for Troy. I'm happy for him. 11th overall was Hayden Mickelson. This was his best finish of the season so far. He was top 10 in the first moto, 14th in the second moto. Um, so he was hovering right around getting in that top 10 spot. But 11th for Hayden, that's his best finish on the year so far and uh, good for him. His brother Noah came in 12th. That's his best finish since Daytona. He was top 10 at Daytona, the season opener, before the big layoff, before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And this is his best finish since then. So good for him. And again, I, I said it in a social media post earlier in the week, but he's so naturally talented and I've seen what he's capable of firsthand so much. Don't be surprised if you see him challenging up inside the top 10 here before the season is over because he's definitely got the talent to do it. 13th was Cody Ford. He was 12-13 um, on the day, 13th overall for him. His big notable um, happening of the weekend was he got second in Pro Mod and won the first moto there, so good for him, good for Cody. That was definitely a ride he's going to hang his hat on and take that 13th in the Pro Class as we head to Virginia next. Brogan Geyer was 14th overall. I know he had some bike issues um, that hindered him, but 14th for him, that was a hometown race, so um, he was obviously looking for more, but with that, that bike problem, that's hard to overcome. Logan Stanfield, bike problems again. Um, man, it's just one thing after another for, for Logan, it seems. He's, he's a top 10 guy. He's been a top 10 guy. He was a top 10 guy at the beginning of the season. He's riding well. Um, it's just not necessarily showing in the box score. So, Hopefully all the demons are, are, have been exercised for Logan and we'll see what he can do before the, the season ends. Um, but he's definitely going to end this thing on a high note. This is not the last couple weeks, at least have not been a representation of 
Logan. So we'll see what he can do, but he was 15th overall on the weekend, but that's uh, not a true representation of him. And Ty Hudson, he actually DNS DNS, but he, he'll be credited with 16th and uh, yeah, he rounded out our field. That's the full rundown of the pro class. Um, a lot of great storylines going into the races ahead. So I'm really excited to see what happens here before the the end of the season. It's uh, just getting, just getting heated up right now, just getting juicy. So can't wait to sit back and watch how it all plays out. Another class that obviously everybody loves at this point, the pro stock class, you could guess what happened there. Chad Weenan won again. He's got a 90 plus win percentage since this class became a thing. He's won every race so far this season. He basically never loses in the pro stock division. So Chad Weenan got it done there. You just heard from him. So um, yeah, he got it done there in pro stock. Thomas Brown was second and Max Lindquist got his first podium with a third in that class. And speaking of Max Lindquist, the 16 year old phenom has won five events to kick off his pro-am and big bike career. We've been covering that he was an earlier guest on the show and the streak continues it's been amazing for him also an honorable mention to Zach Kazmarek who finished second in pro-am racing on a limited schedule so that's super impressive and Grayson Eller finished third in pro-am so as we start to talk about amateur racing at Redbud, a good share of the talk had to do with this next guest. Last time we saw him, he was mixing it up at the front of the pro class, and after seven long years away from the races, he came back. I'm excited for this one. Let's welcome our next guest. Enjoy. All right, guys, we've been trying to find the perfect time to welcome this guy to the show, and I'm stoked to finally get him on. He's a guy I've always looked up to, another Wisconsin rider who seemed to help pave the way for riders like myself, Sammy Rowe, Max Linquist, and others. Brought to you by Namira Technologies and Bronco ATV and UTV components. It's the one, two, three kid, Nick DeNoble. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Cody. Appreciate it. Great to be on. Oh, I, I know it's something that you wanted to do for a while. And I mentioned trying to find the best time to get you on, buddy. Originally, I wanted to uh, to do basically like a Wisconsin show with all the guys. But uh, before we could ever do that, you decided to come back racing after a seven plus year hiatus. So uh, we had to get you on. It was it was the perfect time. Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, it was awesome going back to the track. You know, it was, it was awesome seeing everyone and um I'm just I'm just pumped that to let you to have you let me come on here and uh talk race and talk past, talk future. And um like I said, it was awesome to see everyone and it's awesome to talk about quads again, you know. I was on it for, for seven years. I followed ATV racing, you know, for seven years and it's hard. It, it it's hard being out of it and watching it from the sideline, but now we're back and the one, two, three kid is here here we go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well you never you never lose that love for it, right? So it makes it, it is hard. It is hard. There's some people that can't even follow it because they miss it so much. So long story short, I'm, uh, I'm excited that you're kind of making a tiptoeing back to being at the races. It was great to have you. And uh, that's what made the timing so great to have you on here. So before we get to your return, I want to take this thing all the way back to the very beginning and, and talk about the early days of your of your career before it was even a career when it was just a hobby. So um, tell us about, I guess, like your first quad and, and then how you got into racing, because I remember you and your brother as youngsters, you're older than me, but you were riding, you know, I, I guess you were riding four fifties at the local tracks, but you weren't even 16 yet. And um, oh. you know, doing that local racing back then, just like, just like everybody basically started. So uh, where did it start for you guys? Yep. 
Um, so we grew up in the country out in Denmark, Denmark, Wisconsin, and you know, out in the farm fields, mom and dad got us. I we had an LT50 back when I was three years old, and you know, I got an older brother Eric and older sister Heather, and they all, you know, I just rode. I rode in a red flyer wagon behind it, you know, growing up. And then finally, uh, we got a place up north, up in Townsend, and um, seen a blaster for sale. Um, and that was pretty much our first sport quad. You know, we had utility quads and stuff, which it was cool. You know, we jumped them and stuff like every redneck does, you know. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but that pretty much started it. We just started riding, riding the riding the quads up, up in the woods and uh, up by the cabin. And um, 2003, 2002, my dad bought me uh, a 2003 Z400. Oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which was yeah. So 2003, 2003 was actually my first time attempting racing. You know, my dad. Uh, my dad bought me a Z400 and bought my brother a Raptor 660. Okay. And uh, took it down, took it down by you, by your dad and in your guys that shot and some motorsports and just kind of hit it off from there. You know, um, you, your dad and that was when Eddie Eddie Spaghetti was working there. Corey Dodger was working yep. there. Yep. And um, we just kind of hit it off. My dad, you know, I was. 2003 so i was shit you 14 been, yeah you i was gonna say early high school years yeah yeah four, 13 or 14 you know and at that age you couldn't ride race quads you know until you're 16 so we just we just lied about my age and um first race was up at pine ridge awesome track and um yeah did decent there you know that was back in the day where there's two stroke b two stroke a four stroke a four stroke b you know and um there was no c classes then and just had fun you know it was it, it was a blast you know that was that was pretty much the start of it in 2003 and my brother stuck with it too you know it was kind of like a family ordeal just mm -hmm. like you you know it's once the family is in it you're, you're family all the time you know, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys, like my first memories of you, and again, you were young, you were young kids at the time, but you were like the, like the stereotypical, like kind of redneck uh, kids riding quads, you know, like that's, yeah. that's how it was at the beginning and um, it quickly changed. So, um, you know, you talked about starting racing in 2003, 2004, and uh, the scene was really good for ATVs in Wisconsin at the time, and that probably helped it. You know, you talked about it with uh, Eddie Dejnev and Corey Gauthier, some of those guys, you and um, the, whole, the whole landscape of ATV racing here in Wisconsin at the time was really good. And yeah. uh, so, so at what point, that must have been, 2005 or 2006 now you're going to the nationals on a regular basis yeah so well we'll we'll rewind a little bit so 03 was when i started then 04 remember we had that we had the quad series yep we had the wisconsin quad series in 04 i took second place in the northern cup series um behind my brother in b class fast forward to 2005 we jumped up to A class 
at the quad series and stuff. And I don't know if you remember, I had that really bad crash at, I think it was Eklund. Eklund, uh, I, yeah, I got a flight for life. Yep, I do remember that. I wasn't there, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Yep, yep. I got a flight for life in 05. That was, that was my first A-class race. First practice, first lap, yep. you know. Going out with the big boys, I thought it was something special, and well, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I remember that. What happened there? Um, so it was kind of like Birch Creek. You know, you do the whole shot, and you go over that tunnel jump, and you come down that hill, and you had a small checkup tabletop. Yep. It was just like that. You come down fourth, fifth gear licked, and I just held it licked the whole time. <laughs> and through me, through me, you know, I I don't remember. I just remember – I remember slightly, slightly in the MRI booth doing, do, you know, do, looking for internal stuff and broken stuff. I remember a little bit of that, but that was, that was pretty much it. You got helicoptered out of there, didn't you? Yep. Yep. I got flight for life and that was first practice. So they shut, they shut the race down until I believe, you know, halfway through the day, that was Saturday, you know, yeah. and that was up by like Eau Claire area. I, believe. I remember. Yeah. I remember. I don't know why I was, wasn't there, but uh, yeah, that was gnarly. And so, so what did you end up messing up there? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I ended up just, so I guess my, my mom tells me I came off the tabletop and I just nosedived straight down into the ground. Okay. So the throttle or my bar must have got me in the knee. So my knee was kind of banged up. And Red Bud was actually two weeks later in 2005. Yep. And I, I wanted to race that, but, I, you know, I was on crutches and stuff. So sure. that didn't happen. Gotcha. So. Yeah, you got lucky there. And um, and then that must have been 2000. So so how did 2005 end? Okay, yep. So I'll finish that. 2005, 2005 we just pretty much – Stuck to the quad series, did a couple of gravity parts here and there. Did Red Bud, Max Caston, you know, we're all we're all hanging out, you know, the quad group from Wisconsin. Yep. And um that was that was pretty much the end of my two thousand five season. And um two thousand six, you know, my dad seen we had potential and a lot of local guys seen we had potential. So two thousand six we uh that was our first year doing doing nationals and um so we actually took on Corey goth here with us him and his dad hank they um they they jumped in our rig which is actually chad weenan's rig right now chad chad got that well he didn't buy it from us from show hauler and uh that was that was pretty much my actual career in 2006 i was running 24 in production a and um i was doing all right you know Production A, I was, you know, top three, 16-24, I was top four. You know, you had Chris Williams, Devin Himes, mm -hmm. Thomas Brown. Yep. Um, and and then and then you had the WPSA series then also. So Absolutely. you had Kel Down, Sage Baker. Um what's it was his stacked. Name? It was stacked, yeah. Yeah. And um I actually got my first national win at Bud's Creek in uh, in 2006 and 1624. Okay. Devin Hines behind me, and um, I changed the subject. But after that, me and Devin were great buddies. After that, you know. Yeah. But 
then it was always battling from there on out. So. Right, for sure. That's where I was going with that was 2006, I thought, was your your first kind of year um, racing all the nationals. But you were still – you still, like, to me at least, um, were – just a better version of the guy you were here. I don't know how else to say that you hadn't like transformed into a national rider yet. I feel like. And um, then when you fast forward to, to 2007, you would have been racing the, the A classes um, and, and you were in pro-am too, I believe at the time. And you became yep. that that's when you, at least in my mind, again, um, you kind of transitioned into being one of the next big things of the sport because, you know, you won the production a class national championship, which was a, a premier. That was a, that was a premier yeah, class. And that was uh, big. Yep. absolutely. That was a premier class at the time. And um, you finished second in pro-am behind Clay Holmes. And when you look at the guys that you beat, you beat out the likes of Cody Gibson, Thomas Brown, Greg G, Travis Moore, Jake Hakala. Cody Miller, Mitch Reynolds, Casey Martin, Bobby Ross, and the list continues to go on with guys that we all remember. Um, it was absolutely stacked, like as stacked as could be. So what do you, when I, when I think about 2007, I wanted to be able to ask, what do you credit for helping you make that major jump into ATV racing stardom there in 2007? Because you were, you catapulted yourself that year. Yep. So now, you honestly the main thing that turned turned me going from an all right quad racer to a good quad racer was you, it was me eric you Corey goth here in the white fields we went on to joel bird's quad riding school yep uh, i think there i think joe just just opened opened my eyes like okay you got you got to grow some balls and go fast you know sure yep and um so so i think that was pretty much it i i i think just training with joe and then 2006 joe won that national championship pro championship and yep and my dad hired his mechanic from that year chris delegard and we hired him so he i had a full-time mechanic in 2007 and 2008 and which helped out a lot too, because he lived down in Tennessee. So we go down to Tennessee and just train. And that was when the training, the preseason training was starting to get really big, you know, right. that was when and, that kind of transitioned into being a thing. Cause prior to that, it really wasn't. No. Yeah. It was just pretty much go down a couple of weeks before the first race. And then you just ride. You know? Right. Yep. But at this point we were going down for Thanksgiving, going down for Christmas. And then, you know, that sort of thing so 2007 I was also also a senior in high school so I really didn't have a whole lot of riding time I'd take off of school on Thursday fly to the race and then fly home go to school just ride in between you know and yep. and so yeah so 2007 it just really really turned around you know winning the production a championship and second place in pro-am now this is when WPSA was really big. Yep. So you had your guys that went to WPSA and you guys that go, went to GNC. So, but then we all would collide together at Red Bud, Loretta's and stuff like that. And that's what really showed the men from the boys, you mm -hmm. know, yep. which was always me, Clay Holmes, Thomas Brown, 
Cody Miller. Um, Greg G was fast. Greg G was fast. And, um, yeah, so, you know, and just riding with those guys just, just made it better, you know. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, and you spent more time with, with Berg, right? I mean, there was, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just, it wasn't just that one time that we went there. You spent more time with him. Yeah. So, so 2006, it was me, my brother, Adrian Cooper and Brandon Smith. We, we pretty much just lived down at, down at Bird's place during summertime. Okay. You know, so us four trained together, rode together and, you know, riding, riding with Bird. I mean, you're going to learn, you know, he was a national champion. So, yeah. And that, that's what really helped, especially pushing, pushing with, with Brandon Smith. Cause Brandon Smith was my competition also in 2007. Okay. So, cause he was doing nationals production a and pro-am also with me so yep right there you know it was just battling back and forth during practice so it 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 helped out and then you got joel that you know you've been down to joel's school and whoever's listening if you've been down to joel's school it's an ass kicker and 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 he makes you work for it and that's what really i personally think really stepped up my game my brother's game you know just everything else you know and then 2007 speaking about that my brother was racing you know as you know um my brother was racing with me and that was opening around at pell city um that was when they had it was called the elevator jump he came off of it practice and shattered his foot same thing i did in 2012 and that was pretty much the end of his career so yeah Yeah, yeah, because to that point you were both racing in pretty much in the same classes, right? So it's not like it was never just a one-man show until then. Then that's when it became yeah. you were the rider and, and he was kind of uh, – he helped you then for a lot of years. Yep, yep. So, like, me and Eric were pretty much like how Cody Miller and Hunter Miller were, yep. you know? Yep. Two brothers, same classes, and one was stupider, which was me, and <laughs> one, one had, you know, more common sense. Was Eric and he just had bad luck came up short on that elevator jump first round and I pretty much ended it you know and that was our first year getting a full-time mechanic you know you know two two pro-am riders you kind of need a mechanic for us riding all the time for sure yep. so then then it did turn into you know ju- just me racing by myself and I had Chris's mechanic for 2007 and 2008 and then 2009 10 11 12 my brother was my mechanic and so was my dad. So, okay. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, the other thing that stood out to me in 2007, um, was when I think you really, because again, trying to paint the picture of how big of a jump I feel you made from 2006 to 2007, at least with your riding. And that's when it looked like it, it became clearer how naturally talented you are probably one of the most naturally talented riders I ever saw firsthand because it seemed like, like, again, you went from being, uh, you know, a, 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 like a redneck looking like local guy to a fast national kid to looking like a pro in the pro-am class 
in like a three-year span almost. And that's when that true natural talent showed through. And, uh, and yeah, that's what stood out to me in 2007. And um, in 2008, it was second again in Pro-Am, this time behind um, Thomas Brown. And, and you beat out Cody Gibson and crew. And then in 2009, you go pro. So tell me about, uh, about the memories that you had with that, you know, that first season in the pro class, it was stacked at the time with a bunch of factory support and uh, you were able to earn two top tens in your rookie campaign. But uh, yeah, I guess what stands out about um, that rookie year when you went pro? So 2009, you know, uh, like you said, it was stacked with factory riders. You, you had three Can-Am teams. You had factory Suzuki with, two satellite teams, Kawasaki with two satellite teams, everything like that, you know? So me, Thomas Brown, Mitch Reynolds, um, Clay Holmes, we all went in there as rookies. And I'll never forget this. It was Glenn Helen first round. And locally they called me the whole shot homeboy. And um, I, 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 I ripped the first whole shot of the first moto. I went from first to 17th within three laps <laughs> and, um, oh my at, gosh rips the whole at, shot rips the whole shot in his pro debut <laughs> yeah and just falls on my <laughs> you know it was um i it, forgot all about really, that yeah, it was uh it, it was really disappointing because at that time end of 2008 i i got hooked up with digger doug gust we built yep. the track up at tiger den and stuff and I was training with him, and I, I just wasn't there mentally yet for the pro class. You know, I had the right. speed because practicing and everything. D- Doug came out playing as they say, Nick, you're fast. You know, w- when you're training with someone on a track, you keep a, you spot you spot them on the track, and you always see if you can pull from them or gain from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I could always I could always not always beat Doug, but we were right there. I'd beat him. He beat me this and that, you know, but it was just, it was just a mental, it was just a mental game that I could not get through my head. It started clicking, you know, it started clicking towards the end of the season, you know, and it's, it it was a good rookie season. I think I took like 16th overall, nothing special, you know, but there was, back in 2009 you had to qualify to get in to get into your motos you know there was there's 30 some entries and just to make the main event or your motos your your first you know your first pro race which not i mean there's you kind of expected to do that you know going years in a row in pro-am and you know all that stuff but it was just upsetting you know because thomas brown was like always my my rivalry you know, WPSA, he was a little baby, you know, on, on his Lost Creek cycle quad. And yep. I had no problem beating him back then. And then all of a sudden, he, he just got fast. And, you know, we battled it out in 2008, but he won by, I think, like 14 points or something like that. And yep. then Thomas just, 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 just seeing your rival, you know, just go out there and spank you. It, you it know, hurts, just, yeah. It hurts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it did. And it just, and not even that, it was just training with Digger. And, you know, after races, Doug's like, like, Nick, what's going on? You know, and it's just, just pisses you off, you know, and, and it's, what, what do you get out of that? Getting mad at yourself? Honestly, nothing, you know, you're just, 
Right. But it was just, I was, you know, and then back at this also, I got my girlfriend at the time pregnant at the time too. So 2009, I was 19 years old having a kid and, you know, so your life, your life, yeah, your life was changing so fast. And then to to be racing against the baddest dudes in the world on ATVs. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, that was t- a lot of stuff yeah, was changing. Was <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And the thing is, is like, and I say this, uh, I say this oftentimes when we have these types of conversations with the guys, but pro-am is so much different than pro. And when you have to come into the pro class and race against those established guys, especially back then when there was, there was 12 factory guys or more, um, it's just like, how do you look at this and be like, okay, I can be top 10 today as a rookie when that top there's, there's more than 10 guys, there's 15 big name guys on that list. And it's like, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a, is a huge mental hurdle to have to have to get over. Yeah. Yeah. It, It was, you know, but that was a good thing about training with legends, you know, like Digger Doug, Creamer, um, you know, just those are my, those are my two main guys that, that I trained with at that time. Then, you know, I, I didn't get hooked up with creamer until 2009, but digger digger is a hell of a guy, hell of a racer. Oh yeah. And just, just an overall awesome idol to have, you know, yeah. and trainer. And he was, he was that for all of us who came from here, yeah. you know? Yep. yep. And it was just, it was, 2009 was a rough season. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I yanked a couple hole shots. Um, but yeah, like you said, two top tens. I mean, that ain't shit, you know, honestly, this, and you know, well, this is the thing. I, I, yeah. This is the thing. Cause you might've been at a point where a top 10 was like, it was, it was, uh, it was a good finish as a rookie in that class. Yeah. Right. But the thing yeah. about the thing about being a young pro or a guy who's just, touching the top 10 is you can be like, okay, good. Awesome. We got top 10, but nobody knows about it and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. you know, and then like, like you said, there was 15 to 20 bad dudes, you yes. know, you, yeah. you had Wimmer, Weenan, Creamer, Doug, Natalie, Little, um, Travis mm-hmm. Spader, um, Russell Shoemaker. I mean, the list yep. goes on and on and on. Yep. And it's just when, when those guys are, when those guys are in that class for years, which that's what you learn in your pro career, you just get comfortable and, and clear it out, you know, but yep. it was tough. 2009 was not a good season. Yeah, you know? it, was, it was gnarly. It's tough. Like again, and that's why I, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even jot down what place you got in points because the two sticking points for me is okay. Um, you made all the races you got two top tens. And then after that, every year got better. So as you jumped to 2010, you were now top 10 in points. You got one top five. And then in 2011, you earned your first pro class podium at Bud's Creek, which that had to be the highlight of your career, the best day of your racing career, I'm sure. Um, So you can kind of talk about what led up to that. And then you got to tell me about that day at Bud's Creek. Yep. So 2009, like I said, took 16th overall, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, it was, it was a learning curve. 2010, training with Digger Doug again, getting a little more confident. And then I was also training, training with Wilmer at the time. 
Um, me and Wimmer, me and Wimmer were always good buddies and stuff, but I believe 2010 was his last season. Yep. Yep. And it, and and it was pretty much, he was kind of like doing his own deal. He was him and doc. Like I used to train with, with, with Wimmer and Pat Brown down at docks, down at, uh, Macon, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Wimmer was just doing his own deal. So I dig her. 2010 was good. You know, it was couple top tens like you said top five couple whole shots here and there and um it was, it's it's your sophomore year going into the pro class so you're still getting your feet wet a little bit granted there were some pros that dropped out because some factories pulled out now you only had you only had one can-am team and one suzuki team and one one kawasaki team so so right. so there might have not been there might have not been as many guys but the guys that were there were established for, uh, yeah, Very good guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so 2010 was all right, you know, and it and doing it as a privateer, you know, everyone's got to remember is this me racing was a family privateer team. Yep, my dad paid for everything. Granted, I had sponsors, um, you know, that got me free parts and everything else. Um, but my dad was was flipping the bill for for most of the things and just for us to go go racing you know which is hard and it is so it's apples you know, to, so, it's apples to oranges to the guys that you're racing against that's why especially at that time with so much factory support being a top 10 guy as a full privateer there's there's guys that had factory affiliation that were finishing behind you so that's a feat in itself yeah for sure and you know, it was it was a good stepping stone. It was a good stepping stone, and then um, we did all right. And we'll fast forward to 2011 because I gotta say, probably 2011 was probably one of my best years I've ever had. Um, okay. So 2011, I started training with uh, Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick and uh, Sean Taylor down in Splendor, Texas. Um, I had to take it serious, you know, Mikey Walsh. Mike Walsh was a very good friend and a very good sponsor of mine. And hearing it from Mike and Chad and Digger, you know, like you said earlier, I was a naturally talented guy. Yep. When Mikey, when Mikey Walsh says, Nick, if you get your head out of your ass, you will be a multi-time national pro champion. And I honestly, I never got my head out of my ass. I never did. I wish I would have. But 2011 was probably my best season. You know, we had a good motor. We had a good motor. Jansen Motorsports did it then. I was running DASA for years and years and years. Um, Todd Over by You built me a badass motor. Yanked a lot of hole shots. Um, one race that really sticks out to me is Steel City. Um, Chad Weenan was on a Can-Am at the time. Yep. And second, second moto – they couldn't get his bike started. I knew I could beat everyone else. I knew it, you know, and it was just my time to fucking go out there and shine. Okay. But yanked the whole shot, pulled away. It was me, Bird, and I forgot who else behind. But I had about a seven-second lead over Bird about halfway through the race, and my clutch just blew apart and disintegrated and went into my tranny, just screwed everything up. If I would have won that race, I would have had – the overall i remember and i remember like that, it was yesterday 
that was so, so heartbreaking, you know, oh. so heartbreaking. But then you go to, maybe I was Bud's Creek first, but, but anyways, that was yep. one of my main races. Yep. Um, yep. And then you go to Bud's Creek, which was back in 2006, my first national overall. And then Bud's Creek, 2011, first moto, I, won, I think I took eighth or seventh like that. And then second moto, Harold Goodman pulled the whole shot, and I came out right behind him. And it was a mud fest. You know, it was yep. slop. And um, no, Natalia was first, then Goodman, then me. And Natalia just went. You know, Natalia's a mud rider, same with me. I love mud riding. Yep. And um, that, that was an awesome day. I ended up third overall, me. Jeremy Lawson took second and Natalie took third and it was just finally the weight was off my shoulders but now you proved everyone knew I could be number one guy but now I showed it now it's like all right now you better follow it up you right. know yep I had a couple good races after that but I'll tell you that um it was awesome. I got I, I got my jersey saved from from that podium. I got a yep. picture. Got a picture of me. It was pretty cool. Harlan Foley took a picture of me pointing to my brother going across the finish line, and um, it was it, it was awesome. As any pro knows, getting on a pro podium is a hell of a fucking success. Yeah, of course. Excuse my is. language. And um, it's it just it just it was awesome. And yeah. that, yeah, that's, that's one of my highlights. Um, that, that is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that, that, that I'll always remember, you know, besides steel city. Cause that was just so disappointing where you, you go up, uh, you, you go up on the podium, get your whole shot award. And then, you know, um, Rodney, Rodney had all the overalls and he goes, if you would have finished that, you would have had the overall. And then I see, good old dirty bird take the overall and um it felt like the biggest kick in the nuts that was ever ever taken to me you know i'm sure i'm sure because i remember now that you started to explain that i remember that day and following along i think i was probably just watching on the computer the live timing yep. and scoring and i can still feel that anxious feeling in my chest right now as you describe it because that's exactly how i felt at the time like that because yeah like that's how we all felt it was like you just needed that breakout ride because there was it wasn't like it wasn't like um it came even as a surprise it was just like waiting for it to happen so yeah 2011 was a really good year obviously yeah you had a number of good finishes there and um obviously on paper the the buds creek one stands out because you got on the podium and uh so that was again like steady progression it was progression every year you were eighth in points that year and then in 2012 um you were sixth to eighth place guy basically every weekend which is solid again because that was such a again like maybe the numbers weren't as big as they were earlier in your career but the guys that were there the talent was undeniable um yep. but then in 2012 like i said you were having that good season good finishes and then you suffered that devastating leg injury at high point that you uh that you referenced earlier yep and um so 2012 2012, I was I was a senior in the class, confident, you know, and finishing, yeah, eighth. Well, 
seventh, sixth. I think I was in sixth place for point striking distance for fifth when I had my crash at high point. Yep. And uh, it was um, – that was a really disappointing year because um, I picked up a really good sponsorship from Lone Star Racing and my longtime friend and always will be buddy Ian Harris at SSI. And um, I had a lot of people stick a lot of money into me that year. And it just halfway through the season, um, if you guys have been to High Point before, you do your back section and stuff, and you come down the hill, There's a, there was a triple behind the hole shot, not that one, but there's a triple right in the middle. And um, it was uphill triple, and they had a drought that year, so it was super dry. And I've never – I've. I've never bailed off of a quad before. If I'm going to crash, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to see how bad it hurts. Yep. You know, me too. Yep. I, I came, I hit this lip and it just, bleh, just died from just so much G force and the powder just stopped me. And I just went up and started nose diving. I believe three people crashed on that same jump. It was Swartfager, Restrelli, and I got to say, I forgot who, who else was there. There are three pros during qualifying who crash on that triple, you know, and we were trying to tell them, you know, you got to do something different. You got to do something different. They never did. And um, I remember that crash, you know, well, I was, <laughs> and um, I came off this trip when I bailed off for, you know, first time I've ever, I mean, even on a sled, I, I, I did snow cross and stuff. I've never bailed off on a sled and I knew if I was going to hold on, I was going to be breaking arms and breaking my face and breaking other stuff. So I bailed off and I was probably like 20 feet, 25 feet in the air. Cause it was, a, it was a big huck and triple mm-hmm. yep. and bailed off. And I landed straight, straight into the upside of that, of the landing and shattered my left foot and dislocated my ankle and um, got a plate. And I, I don't even know how many screws, but I was in a, I was in a foot halo for, four months i think or three months yeah yeah it was and, uh, i just remember it, you you referenced the drought but they ran out of to paint the picture they ran out of water the racetrack ran out yeah. of water um and yeah the powder from probably not everybody jumping that triple the powder it was got drug up to the top of the face there's this big powder and and um yeah, I mean, you guys come out on the racetrack, you're trying to triple this thing, you hit this powder, it stops you in your tracks. And, uh, and yeah, that was the, the rest was history. You had no chance, but it was just a, it was an absolute fluke um, thing that, uh, that I guess came up and bit you. It was just a shame that you couldn't have done anything differently in that moment, you know? Yeah, you know, and it was, um, like you said, the, the track literally had no water. Pennsylvania right. Pennsylvania was in a drought they had no water and it just sucked because it was going on to the final lap I just passed Mark Maddle for fifth and um it was uh yeah it was it was it was just disappointing and it a- after that I didn't I didn't know what was gonna happen you know we got home I had surgery and everything and um put everything up for sale put the bikes mm-hmm. up for sale Luckily, I, I saw him to uh, a good friend of mine, Drake Colleen, and um, so sold them the quads and sold the rig, sold everything. We're done. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. I, go ahead. I'll let you finish. You know, 
and, and and at that time I had two kids at the time. No. One. Yeah, one kid at the time. And um it was just I was getting older. My dad had a swimming water business, so it's all right, you know, it's 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 time to go work and mm-hmm. grow up and, you know, be be a dad now, you know. Right. And so so I was like, all right, well, sold everything and I never thought I was ever gonna race again. And yeah. I get this call from Mikey Walsh in 2013, about two, uh, three weeks before the first round. Um, Cody Gibson, Cody Gibson backed out um, on the right for you know he he was climbing towers for work, very awesome job, and you know good for him and everything. So mm-hmm. Mikey Walsh gave me an opportunity to 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 ride a Suzuki in-house factory rider and talk to my wife jenna and uh talk to my dad and uh my my old man said well i don't give a shit you just gotta work you know right so yeah, yeah so I mean, that was what was gonna stand out to ask you about that because um if i remember correctly i was 100 percent sure that you were going to be done racing after the, uh, after the, the big injury. And, and like you said, you sold everything. So, I mean, yeah, you were done. And uh, yeah. at the 11th hour, and I didn't know it was only a couple weeks, but I knew it was at the 11th hour that you get this opportunity to ride for Walsh. And, uh, and like you said, I knew it was a similar program to what Cody Gibson was um you know, riding, beating up on us pro-am riders at the time, the year prior, and I'm at Waldo, and all of a sudden, there there are you. You show up in the, in the Walsh van. You're riding <laughs> Just a, out of nowhere. Right, you're riding a Walsh Suzuki. I'm like, what is this? Um, so, yeah, I was really curious to hear about how that, that ride came together, and you said that Mikey had made a comment to you about um, – how naturally talented, you know, you were and stuff like that. So I was super, super stoked. I just remember being pumped at the time that you got that opportunity to come back and, and, and if nothing else, there was a feeling that I had that you'd get to end it on your own terms, other than getting hurt mid race and then just never coming back after that injury. So I was super pumped on that. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, and like I said, Mikey Walsh was always there for me. I, during preseason training, I'd stay down by him. Yep. And um, so long story short is about two, three weeks before opening round, I think that was Georgia. That was our first time going to Georgia. No, yep. we went there in 12. But anyways, about three weeks before that, um, Mikey texts me saying, hey, can you call me? And I thought it was just a bullshit or whatever. So I just call him. He goes, hey, uh, Gibson – Gibson backed out of the deal. He's going to go climb towers and stuff. And it was between me or Travis Moore. And um, I was always a Walsh guy. I always rode Walsh. Yep, so, I know you did. Um, it was kind of a no – I mean, nothing against Travis. It was kind of a no-brainer, or, you know. And I was – Mikey knew – Mikey knew I had it. He you knew know? what you were capable of, and you had a track record with him. So, yeah, it makes yep. sense. Yep. And, and this is the time that I could actually ride not having a family, you know, a family owned race team. So a lot of people, some people that that are, might be listening and might know me from back in the day, 
my dad owned the owned the race team and everything and he's a very old school guy and really hard and um really hard on you and there's a lot of times where I wanted to quit because it was it was just so unbearing after race is just getting your ass chewed out and yep. you know it was actually my year to actually have fun you know not have any pressure and just go out and have fun absolutely i can't imagine you had to feel so much like freedom and free of pressure because i mean i saw some of i saw some of that with your dad i mean yeah he's just old school nothing against him he's like that's just how that's just how he is and you were under major pressure um and then yeah to do it with basically like your buddies supported by your buddies on a quad that you didn't need to do all the wrench. You didn't feel the pressure of the family funding this thing that had to be uh, had to be a really cool feeling. And that Walsh ride was the envy of so many riders. Um, yeah. You know, that, that had <laughs> such a fun year. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was pumped. I was pumped because yeah, like everyone's seen, seen Gibson on it, you know, they always call it the flying W. You know, uh-huh. that, was, yep. that, that was Walsh and Suzuki, the flying W. Yep. And um, I'll tell you, that, that that was probably one of my favorite, you know, favorite time seasons riding, you know, because l- like you said, I didn't want to quit racing not knowing what could have happened. Yep. And I – but luckily, I got to give it to my wife, Jenna, and, and my dad for letting me do, you know, take that opportunity. Of course. Because if – if they would have said no, well, I don't know. You know, you would have never got to do that. And then you'd feel like you had more unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was, it it was good. So at that time, you know, me and creamer were awesome buddies at the time. Right. Still are. And, um, so I got the call for Mikey two weeks before Georgia, three weeks before Georgia, literally jumped on the plane the following weekend to go jump on a Suzuki. I've been on Hondas from 2006 to 2012. Yes, yeah, so since, since you had been on Honda. since you had been on like when the old YFC was new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so going going from a Honda Suzuki, but I I I'm just I can jump on anything and ride okay. the shit out of it, you I know. And yeah. so I jumped on it and I just held her licked and I just. Honestly, I had no worries. I blew a motor. Shit, I wasn't paying for it, right. you know. Yep. And so I just, I just, I couldn't train. I couldn't train all the time, you know, because my dad had me working you five working. days a week. Yep. Yep. I was so that I was, was full time working, so right. I wasn't training. I wasn't training like these other pros were. Uh-huh. I wasn't working out like these other pros were. I was literally riding Wednesdays at Gravity Park, yep. which whatever and you know yeah at pine ridge here and there and that was pretty much it and i i just that was probably one of one of my favorite years of riding especially being under the walsh tent just like you said that like that's what everyone you know wanted as a ride like walsh racecraft full factory rider from walsh yeah and, i mean pretty much like 99 percent of the people at the racetrack would have killed for that ride yeah yeah and it, and, and it was awesome very welcoming i i still remember the night i i picked up josh creamer on the way down on my way down to florida because i drove down there at the truck because i was gonna sit down there until the first race okay. and um 
I, I got to Walsh's at like 9 30 10 o'clock and Weenan was there and Thomas Brown was there and I walked into the shop and those guys were clapping and gave me high fives hugs and it just felt so great to be back with the racing family you know that's so um, cool and 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 just if people know me I was always the happy fan hugging kind of guy mm-hmm. you yeah. know I didn't give a shit if you were mad at me or we were rivals or anything I'm still gonna treat you like you're my best friend or you know and so so that was awesome getting that back for, for, from Chad and Thomas and then walking in with Mikey there and seeing my number and stuff on, on the floor. I was like, wow, this is actually real. Yeah. And um, now it's time to do business, you know? Yeah. That, that had to be surreal. I, I can't imagine. Um, and that was such a cool look. Cause again, it was the same thing as a, as a guy who's like uh, obviously pulling for you. Right. But um, to see, basically like you said the quad that was meant for gibson then i see the the one two three on there um when you showed up that day at at waldo it was like just uh unreal yeah i think i uh i think we surprised a lot of people there you know because i was pretty much just training at josh's house it was just me and josh keeping it on the down low yep. right and then like shit let's just go to let's go to waldo because we knew we knew every all the quad guys were down there you right. know and Mikey really didn't want to do it just because he wanted to keep it on the down low and stuff. But I was like, fuck, people know already. So you might as well just go and let's go. So we went down there and it was awesome. It was awesome to see, see you know, connecting up with you again. And Kyle Fix, I believe, was, was down there at the time. Yep. And um, Moser's, um, you know, I just it, – it, it was awesome getting back in there and not knowing that I had no worries, you know. Mikey was working on, you know, I had to maintain my practice bike and everything, but you know, but that ain't no, that ain't nothing. So it was, it was good. You know, it was just, I, I just had to pay my way to the races, fuel hotels and stuff like that, which I don't care. I was going racing. That, well, that's <laughs> you know? a small price to pay when you're basically showing up with a quad ready to ride. So, um, and, and yeah, like I knew, I knew you didn't get to to ride and train like the guys that you were racing against. That was the one thing missing from that program, um, obviously, because you were working full time. But I think that you went on that season in 2013 to have the best season of your pro career because um, eight of the 10 races, you were sixth, seventh, or eighth. Again, you're doing that on basically no to very little riding time. You finished seventh in points. It was, it was like, I don't know if you knew at the end that that was the end of your career, but it was a great way to end your career going out with, um, with the probably the most solid season of, of your career. And, you were having fun again, you know, you were having fun. You were doing what you loved for just because you loved it and you wanted to be there. And uh, I just like so pumped that you got that opportunity because it was just a year prior that it was mid season and you broke yourself in half and um, you thought that was the end of it. So cool to have you back. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, and now the the people here that are going to be listening, you know, if you shatter a foot, I broke – so if you look at your foot, you have your arch. I broke my foot completely in half, okay? 
And where do you stand on your foot pegs? Exactly right there. I know boots protect you and stuff, but I didn't know how good it was going to be. You know, now that was the first going down my Walsh was the first time I rode stepped on anything with foot pegs since my crash. Sure. So it was kind of Mike, Mikey was throwing a Frisbee in the wind and hopefully, hopefully we're going to do, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and it was good. You know, first time I stepped on it, I did two laps. I was like, all right, this don't hurt. Let's go. And it was awesome. Like I said, because I had no worries, Mikey and Nate and, um, you know, those guys at Walsh Bard and those guys took, took, took everything, took everything for me and gave it all. You know, it was, it was just, it was just fun because when I was down by Walsh, we go ride and go have some beers after, you know, it was, it was just two old buddies going going racing yeah you know because that's... it was it was kind of, it was kind of mike's last year too like full full blown going out racing you know yep. he he took parker parker uh we work up after that for yep. i think two seasons um but M- mikey was getting washed out of it you know and you know just spending every weekend i mean he was you know 40 at the time and it's it was fun it it was a blast and just going back out and racing and throwing wheels into each other. And it was a blast and I'll never, I can never say anything bad about, about the Walsh crew over there. And I never will. And they know I love them guys. And it was just, it was a blessing for that to happen. And um, it was great. It was, it was just a great cherry to the top of my racing career. Granted, I didn't take a top five like I wanted to, which I knew I could have. Mm-hmm. but but like like we said earlier i wasn't training every day i was literally working 12 13 hours a day drive to a race races were pretty much my only practice time only main riding i because i remember there was a race or two maybe uh bowling green stands out to me um yep. at balances and you led early or you and then you were like um, you were in the top three or something for the majority of one of those motos. And yep. yeah. Yeah. And, and we didn't ask me with two laps to go. Yep. And, uh, and if we didn't want to got me, I would have took third overall that, that, that weekend. And, uh, you know, Chad, I do not appreciate that. You, you're doing that to me. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember that like it was yesterday yeah. too, because I thought yeah, but- thought that that was going to be a podium that weekend yeah it was it was a mud race too you know and that was a thing like mud races everyone knew that i was going to be up there on the mud race uh-huh yep. and uh, you know we're, we're just northern boys from wisconsin and that's what we do you know i, t- I tell it, people it's all this it's the snow riding the snow riding yeah. makes you a good mud rider it really does oh, yeah. yeah it does and and yeah that, that that was probably one of my best races that that year um I, I had a DNF at, at Wild Creek, a, a chain popped off and my dad came out and watched and um, in the pro class, only the rider is supposed to touch the quad and push it off. And I got, I got DNF that race because my dad came out there and, and helped me push the quad and get the chain back on. Oh, sure. Um, hey, I got, well, I got DQ'd once because you started my quad for me after I fell. <laughs> But anyway, was anyways. that at uh, Redbud in 2000? It was that no. wall. It was at Walnut, Sunset Ridge, and I don't know, 2008, nine, ten. Yeah. 
I probably had a big bore and I couldn't start it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, yeah, so it was good, you know, but I was, I was having fun throwing heel clickers like I always do and whips just, it was during the race, you know, just, I, you were there to, I, you were I, there I, to have fun. Yeah. You were there to yeah. have fun and you could tell. Yeah. And that's something that's so cool to see because, um, some of these guys in any, in any sport, you see it in dirt bike racing or whatever too, but, uh, you can, you can see dudes that aren't having fun and that was never you, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a good, 2013 was a good cherry topper to the, to pretty much a racing career. Absolutely. So as we, as we kind of transition from the racing career to um, kind of the present stuff, you were always somebody that was well-liked. You were always social friends with everybody. Like you kind of said, throwing hugs out there and everything else. So I got to believe you have countless stories. Do you have any that stand out that you haven't said yet that you would like to include in this thing? Anything that's at the, at the front of your mind? Man, then that, uh, I mean, then that then that makes me think that there's nothing that you can say on air that yeah that's at the <laughs> front of your mind. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there there's just stories in the pits and stuff. You know, like um, you know, because we're always we're always in the pro pits. Like we weren't the party. Oh, well, my family was a party people. I mean, we're Wisconsin Knights. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you drink right. lots so but um steel city i remember um i had a blow gun with paintballs and every every person who walked by i, I just you know pelt them with it and stuff and um <laughs> and then then we had one of those water one of those water balloon launchers yeah yeah and i don't know that was just steel city and i think that was 2010 that was I don't know. It was just, it was just a great, it was a great memory of, of racing, of just not even racing, just hanging out with uh -huh. your, with your racing family. And that's the thing that I love about ATV racing is don't get me wrong. Some people take it a little too serious these days. Uh -huh. And uh, it's not about that. It's about having fun. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was just the fun memories that always stick out to me. You know, yep. just, just stupid stuff like that, you know, but it's just. Well, just being able to be just, at the, be at the races and have that be, be like, almost like carefree, you know, like that's, it's almost like, uh, the, I don't know how else to explain it, that that's just your happy place and you don't get yeah. that feeling. You don't get that feeling anywhere else. Um, no. So, and I even, I said it to you, you know, last weekend or whenever, you know, at Redbud, like. I just kept saying like, how cool is it to be back and not have any pressure? And it doesn't matter how you do, you know, obviously you want to do well, but it doesn't matter when you're just there to have fun. And you're there with like the people that you enjoy being with the Schwarzfagers were there, Derek and his family. And, uh, it was just so cool to see you guys there because again, it was like, like you just talked about with Walsh's at the end. Um, you know, you were there having fun, enjoying yourself. And that's what it's all about. So like you said, you were, you weren't the party crew, but I feel like you were always like, uh, you were always stirring shit up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, people always came by us, you know, and, um, yeah, you know, our, our rig was always the one with the lights on till two o'clock in the morning on, 
Friday and Saturday nights, but you know, but that that's what it's about, you know, because my my dad and my brother, you know, busted their asses during the week working, and they'd fly in Friday nights and you know come come wrench for me, and then uh, you know, so that was their time to get off, so they'd party with Casey Greek and <laughs> Davy Creamer and you know suzuki team and everything like that and um yeah so it was good and um now y- you were talking about red butt and stuff so like yeah, Cody so, said earlier that- so so basically i mean again like make sure people know so you had seven years away from the sport right there's seven there was a seven year hiatus you were following along but you you were away from it um and then all of a sudden you call me and you say you're going racing at red Bud, which is sick but tell me where this idea came from because basically it all started by you finding and purchasing one of your old race quads basically just as you sold it right yeah so um in 2012 when i shattered my foot like i said i sold everything and i sold a quad to my buddy john out 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 on the out on uh the west side of the state and um i actually seen it last fall i gotta say i seen it last fall in that facebook market I just seen graphics, you know, so pretty much if anyone wanted stickers, I'd give them a graphic kit or something like this. You know, I was like, oh, it's probably just some guy that has my graphics on the four wheeler. Sure. And well, sure, shit, I clicked on it and it was, it was John who I sold it to. And um, so in 2016, after the quads, I got on bikes for a little bit in 2016. I blew up my knee, like completely shredded my, my right knee. I tore my patellar tendon, ACL and MCL. And I have no ACL and no MCL still because I got, I had staph infection in my knee. And there's a point at time during, during that six month process where they're going to amputate my leg and stuff. It was, it was pretty hard for me and my wife and my three kids at the time, you know, like you said, I was off for seven years. So, motocross is in your blood you're always going to do something you know bikes quads anything truck yep. anything like that yep so it was hard i was off of work for six months um middle of summer you know that was when big hours you know big money was in and it took a toll on us not financially but emotionally with me and my family and my kids and everything because my kids loved riding too you know i got them their folders and stuff and so long story short, no, I'm kind of skipping around, but mm-hmm. so after I blew my whole right knee out, I mean, I knew I was done. Like there's no way Jenna would let me get a four wheeler or a dirt bike. I mean, okay. she, she wouldn't even let me get a snowmobile, you know, which I understand because I put her through a lot and stuff, but luckily I found the, I found my old quad that I sold John and, um, it was pretty much a sign from the gods saying, Nick, you need your four-wheeler back. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, yep. so I, I kissed the old lady's ass quite a bit to get it. Um, she says, as long as you pay for it and you got to do what you had to do to get it. So uh, I text John telling him that I wanted it and he knew I was serious right away. So he took it off of Facebook and, kept it there for three weeks for me to go get it okay scraped up scraped up six grand in three weeks to go and pick the thing up went out there got it mint condition yet you know pretty much exactly how i sold it to him 
yep. same exhaust, same tires, same Nerf bars, same everything was identical on it. Sure. And, and it was, it was, you know, because I got, I, I got three daughters, five, eight and 11, and I got them all quad. So I, I got sick of sitting on the sidelines, watching them ride around. I'm cruising around on my golf cart. What fun is that? <laughs> right. You know, so I got the quad and I just, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to get it and hang it in my shop. Who doesn't want to have a memorabilia quad to hang in their shop? You know? Well, it is cool. It is cool that you, uh, you found a machine basically like time warped from 2012 when you sold yeah. this thing. Pretty, pretty amazing actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I believe I was getting my daughter's scrambler done. Uh, Janice Motorsports was, was doing my daughter's scrambler and I came talk to you and my dad and, and I mentioned that I was like, Hey, you know, John selling this quad and you're like, hey, yeah, yeah, you're right. Get it. get it. You know, I was like, fuck, I, I know I got to get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I, I know it's in, like, I know that how much you love it. Right. So, yeah. um, I knew, I knew if you didn't get it, you were going to forever regret it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I'm just thankful that, that the wife let me get it. Um, it was, it was just kind of, I'll putz around with it around the house or, you know, this and that. <laughs> But you know that's never gonna happen. So. Right? Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I had it back in my head that I'm gonna go racing again. So. Uh-huh. Uh So then I, yeah, then fast forward to to your your I I we talked about this earlier. You were trying to maybe make it happen at Sunset Ridge. It uh, doesn't happen there. And then Redbud comes, you give me a call. You're looking for a couple small parts, and you're going racing at Redbud. So. Uh, I yeah mean, i mean you gotta let us know how the weekend went there yeah so i was supposed to raise walnut well i wasn't supposed to raise i wanted to raise walnut. that was what you were shooting for yeah yep yep yeah because it's nice and close and everything and uh just work was too busy at the time and still you know it still is but dad dad won't give me off of work because we had a huge underground system to put in so is what it is so yeah, so we missed that, and I told him, I'm going to Redbud. I don't care if ends and buts, I'm going to Redbud. Okay. Yeah. And I got a hold of you because, well, I finally actually looked through my quad and, you know, seen some stuff that I wanted to change. Got a hold of you, and luckily my buddy Cody Jansen here hooked a brother up, and, um, and um, there we were, going to Redbud. I texted my buddy Derek Swartfager. Um, about a month prior, seeing if you wanted to wrench on the quad for me, because I was honestly thinking about running pro class, uh -huh. just just for shits and giggles. Yeah, and you know, um, but I couldn't get my pro license in time for that, so I was going to run thirty plus, but I didn't know that ex pros can only run twenty five plus, because who doesn't want to come back from a seven year span and come and win a race, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just didn't want to get my ass kicked too bad in front of my daughters, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, because they see the trophies, they see the pictures, the YouTube videos and everything. Oh, I get know? it. Oh, I get you it. But, but I was so, not worried about how you were going to do. No, no. You know, but like I was talking to you, you know, um, who doesn't want to win? You know? Of course, of course, and, yeah. Um, so 
as soon as you sit yeah. on the quad, it takes you right back to your mindset in 2012 or 13 or whenever yeah. it last was where you're competitive in the pro class. Like that's never yeah. going to go away. So no. you're not so, ever going to be on a joy ride. No. Well, I'll tell you, Friday practice was fun. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Friday practice was probably the most fun I had on a quad in a long time. Okay. Uh, yep. Well, yeah, seven years. So it was a long time, but um, it was, it, it was fun, but I'll tell you what, that track was cashed that first round of practice. I was yeah, like, all right, this is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the lips were good, you know, uh-huh. like, like the lips of the jumps were good. So I could throw some whips and, you know, this and that. I, that was the first time Red Bull was literally the first time I rode a quad in seven years. And so I talked my buddy Derek Swartfager into um, riding. Another well, another former pro for those yep, who are listening. Former pro, yep. He still my wedding and everything. I still up in his and re- really pretty much a brother to me. And um, Great guy. Yeah, uh, awesome, awesome guy, awesome family. And um, so back to – so I called Derek to work on my quad and stuff, and then I found out that he was bringing gear with to go ride which was news to me so thomas okay. brown thomas brown let, let him let let him run a stalker and um by the way thomas you need to get come on you got to update that thing <laughs> he gave derek the beatest ass quad the beatest. Could find, i swear <laughs> i mean sea riders have better quads <laughs> but i'll tell you what derek was down on that thing on a bone stalker and um i want one of those so bad yeah 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 those things are pretty sick so yeah friday practice me and derek are just out there having fun you know i i knew i was running running plus 25 against you and mitch reynolds um i really didn't know anyone else in the class because like i said i was out of it for seven years and and people change and racers change and stuff of course so so i i was watching you you know just try i guess not I tried pacing with you and Mitch and um, I mean, like I said, you, you want to win. You, you have it in your head that, all right, I'm going to try running with these guys just just Friday practice. Mm-hmm. And like I told you Friday after practice, like Cody, you need to slow down. I want to win, you know? And, and, but it was in my mind, I'm like, Nick's going to get a good hole shot and he's going to be hard to pass. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to block, you know, <laughs> and, but I also hated it when people came in into a points thing and screwed points up and everything. So, and I don't know, I just, I just want to go have fun, but I knew I was going to pull some decent hole shots. First mm-hmm. moto, first moto, I think I came on like fourth fourth or something something like that mean you caught tires coming out of that second or third turn and you and Mitch were gone and I was battling with uh Nixon um he was in front of me he was in front of me pretty much the whole time and I just I wanted to beat him I wanted the third place I got him final lap going through the rollers because I had an awesome line going through the rollers on the far right side because once you go into a pro class, you will find cheater lines. Yes. And I had a nice cheater line going. Through. Well, it's not a cheater line. I just rolled really tight to the right. <laughs> yeah, you, you look for edges that typical yep. riders might not look for. Yep. Yep. 
And um, and I, I'll tell you what, I was railing that bowl turn on the outside, and I gained so much time from just doing that because that inside was so rough. That track, right. I've never seen Redbud like that. Redbud was so gnarly rough. It's they've added so much sand over the years. It's like, do you remember? Well, you would remember in in the early two thousands when it was totally yeah. blue grooved. There was yeah. no sand, yeah. and now, no. I mean, it is gnarly, like crazy yeah. rough. How, so yeah. how bad? So how bad were you hurting at the end of that five laps to make that pass? Were your were your arms numb or were you good? No, I was. Endurance wise, I was good. My, I mean, don't get me wrong, I had arm pump, but okay. it wasn't it wasn't out of control where I couldn't hold on and I was losing the handlebars. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my I was in good enough shape where I knew I wanted to pass him. To beat right. Him, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so awesome. It it wasn't horrible. You know, I was a little winded, but not not horrible. But mm -hmm. yeah. um. So first moto went all right. I took a third. It was it was uh, you and Mitch up front, and then me, and then um, whatever me and me and Derek partied partied pretty good Saturday night. Say hello <laughs> to everyone and stuff. So okay. Second moto, I just wanted to finish top three again. You know, I just wanted a top three, and um, I think you know what happened and everything, and you know came out of the whole shot. I think third, third or you were second. I was third. Well, third out of the first turn, and then second out of the out of the second turn. Yep. Went off that. Went off that. Went off the ski shot, and um, Mitch Reynolds jumped into that turn a little too hard. Got got caught up on that berm, really high on there, um, and I pile drived him i mean i mean i pile drived him and yeah. i knew you were right behind me um it just sucked because when i when i was sitting in second off that sky shot i was all right this is gonna be a hell of a fucking race it's gonna be great yeah yeah it was gonna be you fun know, and then there all three of us sat because those those yeah. uh those berms are so deep when mitch got stuck you piled into him had nowhere to go you two got stuck together i piled into you it blew a hole through my through my uh through my hood ripped half of my bumper off um it ripped my radiator rectifier off and i couldn't even i couldn't even <laughs> believe the thing was running because half yeah. the electrical was hanging there and uh yeah i mean we were then we were a half lap down by the time i got out and and you guys were there for three more laps oh. it was, was anticlimactic because you had the three of us we had all you know it was a good race on uh on saturday and then uh anticlimactic that that nothing happened yeah. with it on sunday it was just a shame but uh yeah yeah it was disappointing you know especially just being out of it and then being able to go back to a national and race it was just it was just overall a shitty way to end the weekend i mean yeah. i've i've never been i've been tangled up and bashed around with quads before but i've never been tangled up like that before i mean i pile drive mitch and we we had to let the air out of my front tire. We had the quads upside down, trying to pull them apart. They were just they were just so mangled together. By the time by the time we got untangled, yeah, it was like the third or fourth lap. Mitch yeah. got a lap in, and my quad one start, and the guy was about to, hey, you want to ride? You want to ride? I was like, no, I want to fit. 
I, I'm not going to get a DNF. I want to finish it. Right. Finally, finally it started. And, um, by the time I got around, it was a checker flag. Um, it was, it was good. You know, it was fun. It was, it was, it was great to be back. Mm-hmm. It was, that was the main thing was getting back with, with all you guys and seeing everyone again. But like I said, everyone wants to win and that's what I wanted to go out and do. And, but that's what I wanted to do. But did I know it was going to happen? No, but. I was going to try. I was going to oh, try yeah. like hell. Of course, of course you, know? you were. Yeah. I mean, there's no shutting that off, yeah. but it was cool because you were embraced by the entire community when you returned and there was a buzz around you being there and all of that. Like that was cool. Like I thought, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the, the ATV racing is better with you there. And it was cool to see yeah. you get that reception. It wasn't just, Hey, I'm Nick DeNoble. I showed up, you know, to race after seven years. No people knew you were there. And I thought that that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, it was, it, it was awesome. It was an awesome feeling, you know, and that now, now that you say, I think that's probably one of the highest points of my career now is actually going there and seeing people that actually recognize me. And like, even after Friday practices, I'd be going back to the trailer and they see the one, two, three coming through like, oh, Nick, are you racing? I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. That's awesome. Was, you know, it was it, it was a great feeling that people knew who I was. Still, it makes and, you feel. Um, it makes you feel more. Uh, it legitimizes you more than you probably even realize, right? That people remember you and people look up to you still. Um, yeah. probably more, like I said, more than you ever realized that they did back then or they would now. And that's uh, yeah. that's got to be a really cool feeling. Yeah, because let me tell you what the difference was being a pro full time. The kids looked up to you. Yeah, you know, the the little kids looked up to you. Now, when I went to Red Bud, it was the adults. It was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was you know, the, the kids didn't know who I was. Well, you know, they they were stains in their parents' bed at the time, you know, and so here the adults are sitting there, you know, giving me fist bumps and everything else. It was like, you know, that that was awesome feeling and it was just it was it was great to go around and just talk to everyone Uh you know besides the corona stuff and everything i gave everyone i know a hug a hug yeah that's that that's That's just who i am that's you yep and i missed everyone i literally did It, it it's in your blood and it was great to be back it was it was honestly i can't give it up like i said enough to my wife jenna and my kids and my dad for letting me take off work to do that because my mom was completely against it. You know, when we left, when we left Thursday, Thursday, she was almost in tears, not wanting me to go, you know, like she's seen, she's seen what I went through and just, she didn't want me getting hurt just like any mother doesn't want their kid getting hurt, you know? Of course. No, I understand, but you, you, you can't even, and she was there for your entire career and she gets it more than most, but still you, there's no, there's no uh, substitute for that feeling of being at the track and riding your quad and kind of taking you back to what life was like a decade ago. And I can't imagine how cool it was for you to be there now with your wife and your three kids. Um, it just had to be the way it came full circle, I think is so damn cool. 
Yeah, yeah, it was awesome, you know, because I got the kids' quads by the time they're three years old, each of them. And so they're born on the quads, and they see dad's jerseys. They, they see my trophies. They, they see everything. But it was cool to finally bring them there and show them what it's about. It's not just about the sport. It's about the fam. Exactly. The ATV racing community is a family. Yep, and that's, your, your best friends are from the racetrack. Yeah, yeah. And it was – it was awesome just rolling around and seeing everyone. And I mean, seeing good old buddy, Mark Baldwin, I can't believe he's still going to the races, you know, same rig, same everything from 2006. Yep. And, you know, just busting his ass and it, it's just awesome seeing those guys. And I just got to give a shout out to, to Chad Weenan for helping me out with a couple things. And, um, it was awesome to see my good buddy Joel Hetrick there too. I used to train with Joel. Me and Joel still talk, and um, it it was awesome. And especially Mitch Reynolds, you know, seeing him getting back into racing as um, he was a longtime rivalry too. You know, him and Thomas Brown, and um, it was you awesome. Guys, you guys were from the same era, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then and then going and racing, you know, r- racing and racing him and racing you, and it was. Um, it, honestly, it was probably one of the most highlights of my ATV racing career was Red Bud 2020. I'll never forget it. And um, hopefully you guys will see me around and probably my daughter's here too. Um, I've been, after Red Bud, literally that Monday, I've been talking to people and talking to old sponsors about, you know, getting some things together for, you know, the DeNoble family, you know. Because I'll be damned if I'm going to let my kids race by themselves, you know. Of the old course. One there too. <laughs> oh, you if know? you're going, if you're going to the races, you're going yeah. for for the for everybody. So, for sure. yeah, uh, I like yeah. to hear that. that. That's exactly where I was going with this. Is I think that you've proved that racing is um, is always going to be in the blood of the entire Denoble family, and I think that you know there's a pretty good chance that those girls are going to turn into. Uh, to nice little racers too. I think you joked about that uh, a few a few years ago to me. You said that you got three girls, so you got you got enough riders to make a team of your own right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so I think uh, yeah. I think that uh, I look forward to all of you guys being at more races going forward because again, it was so awesome to see your smiling face there at the racetrack, and uh, I just uh, again, it's it's the sport is better with you there for sure. And I appreciate it, Cody. You know, it, it really means a lot, you know, um, coming in a lot of people may not know, but me and Cody go way back. You know, I remember, I remember Cody is this little 10 year old, uh, you know, doing flat track and then not help. Well, riding buddies in 2010, riding buddies in 2011, you know, and, um, it's just going back even going back before that but yeah I was I just always looked up to you you know and then uh you like I said we talked about earlier you catapulted yourself turned into went from literally being a guy that lived you know just up the road from me as kind of like a backwoods local guy and turns into a guy that's winning pro-am races and I'm like oh my god and I just I wanted to be like you you know and uh and you were somebody I always tried to, to model myself after. And, uh, and then, you know, obviously throughout, throughout it, and then even more now recently, you just turned into a, a great friend and you're a good dad, you're a great dude. And again, somebody I still strive to be like, so um, I just, uh, 
you know, you I still like, I just value your friendship so much. I appreciate it, man. And same here, you know, and it's, um, you know, your family was kind of started my racing career, you know, um, like I said, back in the 2003 stories, you know, bringing our first quads done by you guys, running your guys' A-arms in 2005, six, And, um, you ripped, yeah. you ripped a lot of hole shots with Jansen motors. Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, that I did. And, um, it was awesome. And it, it's just awesome to be back. And, um, you guys will see hopefully a lot more of the Denoble family coming around. Um, I want to get the girls' feet wet in it, you know, into the racing. They know how to ride. It's just they need to they need to get their feet wet. Like Kylie, my oldest, she's eleven. I'm gonna get her a Raptor 250. I'm not gonna mess with those little mini quads. No, but you that's know, like, a that's a great quad for her to have. Yeah, that Yamaha Raptor 250 because she can ride it for forever, and it'll yeah. run like a generator, right? And she can learn her her clutch and her shifting and um that'd be the perfect quad for her for sure so i've been uh i'm gonna keep on someone on the dl but i've been talking to my good buddy cw 44 and um hopefully hopefully there's some some stuff in the work in progress here um awesome. maybe you'll see everyone maybe you'll see everyone on yami's here you know we're after 125 we're after 250 i like four fifty. um I just don't know what what what's what yet. You know, like I said, I've been out of the game for so long. Yep. But let let me give some people advice here. Never lose your connections with sponsors. You know, I had a very good connection with my sponsors, and I can still call them, and they still have my back. So never lose your connection with sponsors. Always Absolutely. treat them like family. You know, and. That's what that was my main thing is treating everyone like family, and I think that's what got me so far into racing was having good connections with sponsors. I may not have been a top five rider, but I had the backing group that I was a top one rider, you know. Yep, yep. and and I think that uh, it speaks to the dude that you are, and I think that that's I mean, that's why da- my dad always wanted to help you as best he could because he would have gave you the shirt off his back because he knew you appreciated it. And you were so genuine to him and the way you thanked him. And again, how much you showed, how much you, it really meant to you that um, dad might've not had the ability to, you know, to give you deals on stuff and to cover stuff for you if he could and all that stuff, but you deserve, he was there for me, you know, and, and, uh, you your family was always there for me um as when i was running your guys's motors i was done by you guys every single day me and you were riding pit bikes or dirt bikes over at wir or just riding quads up at a ridge you know and um yeah i'll 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 always cherish those moments and um that's yeah you know yeah absolutely we also uh we also gave you a hiding spot from um, from your dad if uh, you needed a place to get away, or you yeah. could tell him you were practicing, but you might have just been hanging out at our shop. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> but but that's what I needed though. You know, it was uh-huh. um, it was uh, yeah, it was it was a tough career. You know, um, but what do you expect from a dad who? 
busted his ass all the time and thrown his money to his kid to go f off racing you know not making any money for him and um but it was great it was great always getting away hanging out with you guys hanging out with the families hanging out with the racing families and um like i said hopefully you guys will be seeing me around a lot more see my seeing the denoble kids coming up here and um who knows you might be seeing the one two three challenging weenan and hetrick again <laughs> that's yeah. a joke you got <laughs> oh yeah well yeah i i again i it was such a such an awesome story i enjoyed this conversation so much and um I can't thank you enough for your time for coming on here. Of course, I know we wanted to get you on. You're always welcome here. There's an open invitation to come on and talk ATV racing anytime you want. Um, but again, I've enjoyed this so much and I know our listeners will as well. I think it, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that enjoys it as much as you. And uh, that makes for, that makes for some great content. So um, you had a great career and, and you're an even greater guy. So I just want to thank you again for all your time all the the guidance you gave me over the years and uh yeah thank you again for coming on and digging deep into into your story here giving us a little insight into uh the one two three kid i just want to say thanks to you cody thanks to digging deep and um thanks to all my fans in the past um all my old sponsors i can i just kind of give a shout out here of course to, yeah yeah of people. course you can yep i just want to shout out and a big thanks to my mom and dad um, supporting me through this whole thing. My brother and my sister, Eric and Heather, um, you know, it was tough with the family a couple times. And then a huge shout out to my wife and my three kids, Kylie, Ashlyn, and Charlie. Um, if it weren't for them, my kids and my wife and my mom and dad, I wouldn't be who I am, you know, at the track, off the track right now the man who I became and um, most of all the fans, the fans and the sponsors and everything else, you know, I just, I just want to say thanks to everyone. I appreciate everything you guys done for me, supported me and um, you know, let, let's just keep the ball rolling and uh, let's see that one, two, three kid back out there and hopefully you see those one, two, three, daughters out there <laughs> uh, i like that i like so, that I, lo I love the thought of you being uh kind of back more on the atv racing scene um after we were missing you for for you know a number of years there you're the man thanks again buddy uh like i said let's do this again soon you always got an open invitation to come back on here great job at red bud congrats on a great career and we'll talk soon all right pal appreciate it. appreciate it thanks guys love you man take care love you too brother We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Before Digging Deep was even a reality, back when it was just an idea, CST Tires already believed in us, which is fitting because no one believes in their tires more than I do. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, and their Pulse MXR Tires continue to hook every rider strong enough and willing to grab a handful of throttle after mounting them on their ride. 
Used by Thomas Brown to win races and clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, Nick Janusa when he grabbed his first career pro class podium, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to a 2019 national championship in the Junior 25 Plus class. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. We're proud to be Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Why choose Yamaha? Look no further than Chad Wienan's six championships in the past eight seasons aboard his Yamaha YFZ 450R. Not to mention Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing and their support of this podcast proves it. For the 2020 ATV MX season, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program will offer payout and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more information, head to YamahaOutdoors.com and follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors today. All hail Blue Crew, the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Don't forget about their motocross, off-road, and street bike chains as well. Wherever you go, go with DID. Hello listeners, this is Chad Wienan, six-time AMA ATV Pro National Champion, an owner of Wienan Motorsports and proud partner of Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast. The two of us share a strong passion for ATVMX. Owning my own team gives us the ability to handpick the best products on the market for our racing program. With consistent testing, research, and development, we are confident that when choosing the products we believe in, our customers will be satisfied in building their own race program as well. We race what we sell. 
with brands like Fox Shocks, Walsh Racecraft, SSI Decals, Wrath Racing, and Henson Racing, just to mention a few, go to check out WeenanMotorsports.com to see the full lineup. Enter discount promo code DIGDEEP at checkout. Enough talking already. Get out and get some fresh air and go ride. Hope to see you at the track soon. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internal like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2020 is no different, with an impressive lineup including AMA ATV Pro Class Champion Joel Hedrick and Phoenix Racing Honda Team. Cody Jansen and his 2019 Junior 25 Plus National Championship, Baldwin Motorsports, Nick Genuza, Wesley Wolf, and much more in the ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, DP has 16 of the top 17 pros heading into 2020. This includes the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Chris Borich, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and more. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase at your local dealer or message us for the contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. 4Works Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment 
ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a licensed doctor in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. We are also proud of our partnership with Factory 43. Factory 43 was born in 2007, making Nerf bars for the Suzuki LTR, Honda TRX450R, and Yamaha's YFZ450. The brand soon added bumpers and grab bars and for years now has offered parts for all sport quads. The racer-owned company strives to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Chris Borich, and Grayson Eller with the motocross and cross-country versions of their Evo Nerf Bar and MX-style front bumpers. Head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of products. Thanks to Factory 43. We are excited to dig deep with the support of Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary this May, the company was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Through hard work, accompanied by offering great service to their customers, BTQ LLC now has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock. But they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off orders of $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's grassroots businesses. Thank you, BTQ LLC. The Decker Training Facility at County Line MX is now open. This premier motocross training compound is located in beautiful Fountain, Florida, about a 40-minute drive from Panama City Beach. Their rapidly growing facility consists of a pro-level national track, amateur and youth tracks, woods loop, and mountain bike trails. Everything you need to train comfortably all winter long is available on site, including private cabins, a full gym, RV hookups, bathhouses, garage, dump station, wash bays, and more. With accommodations for riders across the country and around the world, the Decker Training Facility will help you become the best rider you can be. Sign up for a group training session or a private lesson with nationally ranked pros. Train tougher, smarter, and harder this off-season at one of Florida's most luxurious facilities. For more information, go to DeckerTrainingFacility.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Decker Training Facility, your elite training experience. We are proud to be partnered with Avocado Green Mattresses. We all know that sleep and rest are an important part of any athlete's routine. Avocado's line of natural mattresses and pillows provide exactly the support you need to ensure you perform at your best while doing the best for the planet. The Avocado Mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit, meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, 
you will be experiencing next level comfort. You can rest in peace knowing the components in your mattress and pillow are non-toxic, natural, and sustainably sourced. And getting your Avocado Green mattress could not be any easier. They offer a 100-night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25-year warranty. And if that wasn't enough, rest assured knowing they have five-star ratings by verified customers, including some of the Digging Deep staff. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Are you having fun yet? Two awesome guests down, two great ones still to come. This next guy damn near owes it all to ATVs and ATV racing. Riding ATVs is literally a treatment for his condition. He loves the sport. He has a heart of gold and a great humor as well. You're really going to enjoy this. Introducing a man that some call the people's champ. All right, guys, we're back with a very special guest. If you're a longtime follower and fan of ATV racing, you surely know who this guy is. Brought to you by our friends at Gripped Gloves, it's Mr. Todd Mackey. What's up, Todd? Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've wanted to get you on for some time now, and um, then when you went out at Redbud and absolutely killed it, the timing just seemed right to get you on, on the show here. Um, but before we dig too deep, tell my listeners a little more about yourself, because there's some uniqueness to your story you know, that sets you apart from others, makes you special from others. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because like I said, tons of people know who you are, Todd, but for the people that don't know you, um, tell us what makes Todd Mackey who he is. Well, I guess first and foremost is I'm a person with a disability, which is called cerebral palsy. So cerebral palsy affects my, my legs, my arms, my hands, and my my speech so as you listen to this you may you know uh i may i might sound different to you because of my cp but uh so um i was born with cp uh, back in back in the 70s and uh so as a kid uh growing up in the 70s we spent uh time at, at our grandma's house where my brother and I rode uh, big wheels up and down the sidewalk, uh, racing, uh, uh, racing um, one another. And so my brother doesn't have a disability. So he never gave up. He didn't, you know, he didn't hold back. So he rode the big wheels every single weekend up and down the sidewalk. Okay. Um, so uh, kind of, so this is where kind of it all started for me was back in um back in um august 1979 our uh, house caught fire okay and uh i'm in the kitchen with cast on my legs up to my hips strapped into a wheelchair okay so my older brother got me out of the house safely and we moved into a uh, a big conference hotel for three months until we could find a uh, house to, to live in. Uh, so I couldn't walk uh, at that age still. So I had to crawl everywhere that I went. Okay. Uh, so I'm in this conference hotel and I can't get around. Okay. So my dad put me on the tricycle. So the, so the tricycle allowed me to get around the hotel and I rode that thing all over the hotel Every single employee knew who I was. Okay. 
So that so that that three wheel pedal motion helped me evolve into learning how to walk. Sure. Yes. So in November 1979, my father put me on my first three wheeler, a Honda ATC 70. Okay. So that I could ride with my two brothers who rode dirt bikes. Sure. So this opened up a whole new world for me because I I was immobile. Now now I'm mobile and I can experience riding outdoors. Sure. I can ride, I can ride through the creek. I can ride through the snow. I can feel the wind in my face. I bet, yeah. So um, this allowed me to be included instead of being excluded. Sure. That's a big thing for me. Oh, I'm sure, yes. So I would spend time behind our house on a little small track that we have, and I would practice rolling the three-wheeler on purpose to learn how to take a hit and get back up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so imagine a kid with a disability rolling a three-wheeler on purpose. Right. Yeah. Which which makes so much sense to me now because that's just your nature, you know, to this day. But uh that's you that's very unique, I'm sure. Right. So so I rode that three-wheeler for two years and moved up. I moved up to a Honda ATC 110. Okay. And so we had some woods close by us, and I would ride in those woods every day, riding wheelies, pretending to be a racer. Okay. So by now, all the kids in the, the neighborhood hung out at our house. Okay. And so this brought inclusion to me to be able to hang out with friends instead of being tied up in the house. Sure. So... In 1985, I moved up to the uh, all-new Honda 250SX. Okay. So this machine had electric start and reverse. So I rode that machine for two years and had my very first race on that at a local hair scramble race where we rode every single weekend. So my younger brother raced his four-wheel drive Honda quad and not wanting to lose to my brother, I cut the track on the last lap to beat him. <laughs> okay. So he knew that I cheated, and he he called me out, and so that that led to a whole other uh, ball game. Okay. So so this was about the time that I started reading Dirt Wheels, Dirt Wheels magazine. Okay. And so. This is where I wallpaper my bedroom with colored pictures of my favorite racer, Jimmy White. <laughs> Three-wheeler legend. Three-wheeler legend. So Jimmy was like the Michael Jordan to me. Yes. He was a very fast, aggressive rider from the Midwest, and he battled with Marty Hart, Mad Mike Coe, Dean Sundahl, Fast Eddie Sanders, so I tried to practice my slides to be like Jado. Okay. I tried that. Okay. So in 1987, the all-new twin cylinder Banshee came out. So I wanted them to be my next machine. Okay. So my dad, my dad took me to the dealer to see if I was strong enough to kickstart it. Well, I could with the short kick lever 
and the 175 cc cylinders. So this was the year where I watched Jimmy White change over to, to the Suzuki Quad Racer, and he was racing Gary Denton on a circle track out in California that was on TV. This blew me away. Okay. This got me hooked, and I wanted to try out flat track racing with my new bench. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we went to a local TT race from our first race on my Banshee with the number 31 on it. Okay. Boom, stop. So while looking at my competitors, I scoped out a brand new Quadzilla 500. <laughs> so the only thing that I remember from that race was that I managed to beat that 500, and that started my whole racing career from, from there. Okay. Um, so I can make the quad go fast and slide, something I couldn't do on my own two legs. Sure. Yep. So the riding leveled the playing field for me. So we started racing motocross that year at Casey, Illinois. Having a 350, they made me race in the quad A class against grown men. <laughs> How old so, are you at this point, Todd? 15. Okay. All right. <laughs> so naturally I got smoked every single race but I was out there trying my best and learning so we continued to race the, the local district races of Byron, Wapella, Danville, Tayuga. and so in 1988 we went to a motocross race down in Clarksville, Tennessee this was a track that was behind a Wendy's at the end of a dead-end street. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is where I got my first taste of aggressive national riders. As they banged into me in every single corner, I got banged so hard, I never forgot that. So on the way home, we stopped by another track in Katy's, Kentucky. Okay. This track was in a public park that had ball diamonds, soccer fields, football fields, and they raced at night. So they had a concrete starting pad for your start. So I really excelled that night because I used what I learned from Clarksville. In 1989, I started racing more district races and gaining confidence. I had the opportunity to go with a local fast kid by the name of Gil Cat to race a Mickey Thompson race out in San Francisco at the Candlestick Park. Oh my gosh. They had a big earthquake that year and they canceled the race. Oh, so I never shoot. got to do it. Oh, that's a shame because the, wow. the Mickey Thompson series was a big deal back then. Mickey Thompson was, I felt like, a, a type of track that really fit my style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was a little, it was a little bit TT and motocross kind of mix, right? Mix, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. So I went on to race the 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 state championship that year against Doug Gust at a track called Slowpokes in Maplehurst. Okay. And so having to get to race against Doug Gust before he ever turned pro was really cool. Oh, I'm sure. So, and at this point too, I mean, are you already, um, are you leaning more towards TT stuff 
or or are you not really biased to TT or motocross? So my younger brother raced two wheel motocross, and he was very 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 good. Okay. So my dad took him. He so he took priority. Okay. So we went to wherever he was going to go race at, and if they raced quads, I raced. Okay. Most of the time it was motocross. I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. Um, so. In theory, I'm a lot better TT racer than I am motocross, just because of the physical demands motocross puts on your body. Sure, and I know with time, you'll your story will continue. I know with time, um, you I know that TT was really your thing, obviously, but I didn't know if it always had been, or if um, you know, I didn't know if you were held back on motocross more now than you used to be. I didn't know exactly how all that went. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that year I went down to Loretta Lynn's that year and uh, got to meet uh, several pro riders for the first time, like Gary Denton, John Scott, Ken Delt, Mike Maniachi, Donnie Banks. That was very cool for me to finally meet my my childhood heroes. Okay. Of course, Jimmy White wasn't there, but uh, they didn't race through the words back then. Right. Yep. Yep. That kind of, that era had kind of ended, right? Yeah. So, uh, January 17th of 1990 was a day that changed my life forever. Okay. Uh, My father had committed a crime and went to prison. So the the uh, result was we lost everything that we owned, and I traded my tricked-out banshee in for two scooters so my brother and I could get to, to uh, school. Oh, wow. So I rode my scooter my to my senior prom stag, of course, and being poor, my best friend's mom made my, my clothes for me. When I got to the door to enter prom, I was rejected because I didn't have a tux. So that night I rode home in the, the pouring rain, crying, pretty sad. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, that, that, that's heartbreaking. So, so in 1991, but, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, but you're – it, the whole thing is sad because you're doing, you gave up what you loved. You're, you're on a moped or a scooter. Cause that's all you had. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm thankfully we know now that the, that the whole story turns itself around, but uh, so keep telling it. Right. So in 1991, I terminated my social security income and went out and got a job so I could get back into quad racing. Okay. So my job was to be a, a courier driver for a bank and had to be at certain banks in in um, um, other towns by a, by a specific time. Okay. So my, my pre-Ricky Bobby came out, and I, and I, I outran the, 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 the law several times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... So I took that money and bought a cheap quad racer and started racing again. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. <laughs> so, so now that everything was on my own dime, I was hungry to race again, but I was also humbled by having to do everything myself. Sure. Yep. 
No pills. And it starts to mean a little more at that point because you work so hard to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after a year on the quad racer, I sold it and bought a bone stock 86 Ford uh, TRX250R. And I started modifying it and started racing national events and uh, steadily improved. And by 1997, I competed for the Triple Crown Championship. Okay. So I won the championship at the famed TT National in Huntsville, Tennessee, where Shane Hitt and Tim Farr crossed the checkers at the same time, and there was a big dispute of who won. We didn't have, we didn't have print sponsors. No, there was none of that. No, and it was dark. It was very dark that night. Yep. You and you hear stories. We've heard them on this podcast about the racing back then in the '90s and uh, how there was all kinds of funny business going on behind the scenes. And uh, so, yeah, there, yeah, that definitely uh, definitely was was a whole another obstacle back then. Right. So. Jerry Hebel, the owner of London, Kentucky's track, he always sponsored me for his national, uh, for gate fees, race fees, and he even paid for my hotel and gas fees. Oh, shoot. Okay. Every awesome. year, every year that he had his national, I went okay. to it. Okay. And so I started traveling the national series by myself using a, a, a road atlas and driving and wrenching and racing by myself. Yep, okay. I didn't have smartphones. No. I, didn't, I didn't even have a cell phone. Right, yeah, you're on your own. I'm on my own. Yeah. So in 2004, a magazine did a nice article on George Quartus, Jimmy Osborne, and myself. Okay. Three guys racing quads that have a disability. So I, I approached George about forming a three-man team and competing in the 12-hour race. George secured a new YFZ450 and modded that thing out. And uh, George is missing his right leg and Jimmy is missing his left arm. Okay. So imagine that. Yeah, that's amazing. But so all of you, are, but all of you are just motivated by a love of the sport, right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we had to accommodate Jimmy for his portions that he rode by switching the clutch lever over to where the front brake lever sits. Oh shoot! Yeah. Okay. Every time. Okay. So, in my opinion, and George will back me on this, this was the biggest race of my career. Okay. Jimmy crashed probably through his portion and he was partially injured. George got tired halfway through. So I took off like a bat out of hell and rode for two hours straight to give them both time to rest and get back on their back on their, 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 their feet. Okay. George had to hobble out into pit road to stop me to come in for a rider change. <laughs> okay. That's how hard I was charging. Yeah. That team, we finished all 12 hours, uh, but that course was a brutal, rough course. Okay. Uh, where was the Where was the race done? It was at uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa, but not at the same place where they always had the Fort Dodge, Iowa. It was oh, okay. in another, another piece of land next to it. Okay. 
All right. So in 2005, Alba sponsored me with the new YFZ450, and I raced, I fulfilled my dream of racing seven of the 10 national motocross races. Okay. And this is kind of the era it was, and I don't want you to get too far ahead because it was kind of the era then and a little earlier, maybe even the late nineties, early two thousands. But I remember knowing who Todd Mackey was and looking up to you as a racer at a very young age, because you were um, on some of the old ATV racing VHS tapes that I obsessively watched as a little boy. Right. So um, I mean, basically like despite all odds, you made it to being, you know, at the high, le- high, highest level of the sport, racing ATV nationals, and then you were a prominent figure, um, probably just because, you, you know, you are who you are, you're a great person, you're a, you know, you're social, you're buddies with everybody, but also because you were making waves in, uh, in the sport at the highest level. Correct, yeah. I mean, I, uh, <clears throat> in 93, I went out, I, I, I snuck out, into the pro practice with, okay. with Gary Ditton. Okay. And so back then we come around a tree before, before the Monza wall and I was behind Gary Ditton and we took off side by side up the Monza wall and I, I, I passed him up coming up there. <laughs> that just felt so good to finally do something that, that great. Just yep. one time, just yep. one time. Yep. So Gary didn't being who he is, instead of coming over to me to ask me what I was doing out there, he said, hey, let's go work on starts. Oh, wow. So Gary took me over to the, to the fence line, away from everybody around, and he worked with me on my, my, my starts. Wow. For free, just voluntarily did it. Right, yeah. And so that that really meant a lot to me. And so Byron Goggin was there. He covered me for the, the video. And, um, you know, that was a lot of fun. I mean, I never forgot that. I You know, I'm, I'm not there to, to, to race pro and to blow anybody's doors off. I'm just there to, to ride to have fun. Right. But, I mean, there was a, there was a period there where you – I mean – still to this day, you're a good racer, but I mean, there was, you know, you were a really good rider in your day too. So I don't want you to discredit that too much because you're humble. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But what, so what, uh, what VHS, you know, what movies would I remember? What movie was that, that I couldn't, I was trying to go through my, my memory bank and think what that would have been. Well, I'm, I'm in there once, uh, Byron Goggin made several videos. I don't remember what the name was. Okay. So I'm in there for the actual interview. Yeah. And then I'm in the I'm also in the music video for Darren Decorado. Okay. Uh the one the, about the the song about flying. Oh, um, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yep. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's so many, so many people because there's so many people that listen to this that uh, were around in your era and would have watched it. And then are, you know, are maybe a little younger like me and obsessively watched them when we were kids. Right. But we're yes. all, we all have that playing in our head right now. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a, there's a shot of me on the starting line at uh, Muddy Creek. Okay. And uh, I'm in there with Darren Nacarado, Randy Howard, uh, just the the greats of our sport, 
Okay. And I was very honored that Byron did that for me. So yeah, that's very cool, and and it's deserved. Absolutely. Um, so where so, do, so where did we leave off? So in 2007, I wanted to Ironman the whole entire 12-hour race. Okay. Okay. So this is something that nobody thought that I could complete. Okay. So I believed in myself, and I knew that I could do it. So I put together a great race team, and so my goal was to do 24 laps in 12 hours. Um, I surpassed my goal and completed 29 laps and crossed the checkered flag at the 12th hour. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I finished fifth in class. Wow. Um, so I went on to Ironman several more 10-hour events over in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Um, and so that's, you know, that was to think about a person with my disability to race for 12 hours, 12. For, um, anybody, for anybody, first for of all, anybody, to, be, anybody. To, to be on a quad, for to be on a quad racing for 12 hours is amazing. But uh, against, the, against the, the world's best. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I completed that race and John, John Natale pulled me up on stage and, and uh, he uh, he recognized me for my for my effort. And that was very cool. Yeah, that is cool. So then, yeah, so that was 2007, and yeah, I mean that's got to be that's got to be um, at the top of your list of accomplishments too. To to finish Ironman those races all by yourself, that's amazing. Right. So between 2010 and 2020, I mean I've raced you know every single season at various national races, TT events, yep. Monster Jam shows, ice races, you know, you name it, I've, I've done it. Yep. Um, there, was, there was one story that I want to tell about a local monster truck show that was offering $1,000 to win the ATV race. Oh, shoot. Okay. So I took my youngest son, Max, with me up there to it, and it was a it was a circle track on concrete. Yep. So the promoter stereotyped me because of my of my disability and put me on the front row for the uh, for the uh, the qualifier race. Okay. So I smoked everybody, <laughs> and so the promoter put me on the back row by myself for the the, the main event, okay. and I still smoked them. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So my son was up in the stands laughing, knowing how fast that I am watching his dad win. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah, that is cool. And I guess, and you started to state it before, but yeah, I mean, obviously, especially on a track like that, but um, you know, you have a disability, but on four wheels, you don't bet you're not, you're not a disabled person. You know, you're, you're on four wheels, you're racing an ATV just like everybody else. So um, I just, that's, that's, that's the coolest story. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm always looking for a challenge. Yep. I'm always looking for a challenge, right? Yep. So one of those challenges was to run a 5K. Okay. I ran a 5K for the first time in 45 minutes. Oh, wow. When was that? And that was a very tough course, too. Okay. 
So being the, the competitor that I am, I wanted to beat my time. So I raced another 5K and finished in 44 minutes. Dang. When was this time? Uh, I don't know. Something like 2010, something like that. Okay. All right. You know, something like that. Yep. You know, so, you know, I was the only person out there with a disability. Sure. Like everybody else. Right. But the thing is with you, I mean, yes, you're competitive, but you also don't look at it like, um, I mean, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think you look at it like I'm the only disabled person. You know, you want to you want to beat the other people. Just like, I guess, you know, obviously when I say this, I'm mostly talking about on your ATV, but I'm sure it's, you know, and with a 5K too, it's like, hey, I'm in second. I want to beat, you know, I want to beat the, the guy who's winning. You know, like that's how you look at it. Correct, yeah. So, yeah. So, so um, even today I, I'm... I still watch pro ATV riders on their performance and how they carry themselves off the, the track. Sure. And, uh, you know, just like I watched Jimmy White, I'm watching today's pro riders the same way. What are they doing? How clean do they ride? What can I, what can I gain from, from watching them? Sure. Yep. And so that rider that I'm watching right now, and I have been for a few years, is Thomas Brown. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Thomas Brown has really come on strong, not only on the track, but he's always around the pits. He's up on the starting line helping other riders. That's what I want to see in that pro rider. Yep. Don't don't go hiding in your motorhome and right. sitting there and don't don't, you know. Get out there and try to engage with the younger riders. Help the sport. And that's what Thomas Brown is doing. Yeah, 100%. 100%. There's yeah. a, Thomas is, is, a, is a great ambassador for the sport in that regard, as are many of the guys. But, yeah, I think all of, you know, I think everybody, like uh, we can all give back a little more in our, just in our general lives, right? Like uh, that's just an awesome thing. And, and ATV racing in general is such a family um, kind of a family affair that, uh, yeah, you love, you love to see that kind of involvement like you see with Thomas. So you're, you're not, you're not wrong. That's for sure. And so I watched some of the uh, other riders and there's two riders that I have in mind that I'm watching. And I believe that they are the future of our sport. Okay. Number one is Blair Miller. Yeah, he's Blair fast. Races, he races three classes every national. Yep. And he races 458, and that kid is fast. Yes. Not only is he fast, but he comes from a he comes from a great family that supports him. His mom and dad, they work their butts off to, to give him what he needs. And he's a positive personal kid. Yep. I agree. The second rider I'm watching is Zach Decker. That kid blew me away at sunset when he won his race by 25 seconds. Mm -hmm. That kid is fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. It's a shame that we saw him get hurt there because, uh, yeah. yeah, he was on a he was on a tear too. I think him and and Max Lindquist, um, you know, who obviously are both kind of the new guys in pro am. They're only 16 years old, but 
those kids along with, you know, that, that new class of pros of, you know, Bryce Ford, Brandon Hogue, um, Alan Myers, Logan Stanfield, all those guys. Then you have, just like you said, Blair Miller and, um, you know, some of uh, like the Lance Walkers of the world, some of those kids who are just going to keep progressing, who are so young and so fast. I, I truly, I've been preaching it for a while, but I think that the, that the, the strength of that part of the sport, that, you know, that age range of, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, those kids that are going to keep ascending, um, the sport is in a really good spot. We got a lot of, a lot of kids to watch. And uh, those names that you're mentioning there are, are at the top of that list. Absolutely. So I feel like I have brought uh, diversity into our sport with a positive attitude and never went up, never went up the ring with the goal of turning pro. Um, social media has labeled labeled me the the people's champ. Um, in my thirty three years of racing, I've never made it up on the on the, the banquet stage. So I uh, I'm hoping to get up there on stage at some point, hopefully this year. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see that. We talked about that a little bit before we hit record on this thing. And uh, you're in a position where if you finish out kind of the end of the season here, you might uh, you might just accomplish that goal. And um, me and so many others who are listening right now would love to see it because there's nobody who uh, deserves it more than you. And again, you know, you're such a humble guy, but there's so many. I mean, you've just been a staple, kind of a, a figurehead for this sport for so long, at least from my vantage point. Um, it's only right if you uh, you get up there and kind of a, a check off another goal of your laundry list of goals that you've checked off over the years. Yeah. Correct. One of my goals you helped me meet was in 2014, I got to race your pro quad against Stan Digby at Redbud. Yep, you did. <laughs> and so that race, I won the overall for the for the weekend. And so you got to witness me doing a complete 360 over the T1 jump, winning it. Pop starting the quad and kept on racing. It was, um, about that. it was amazing. Uh, I just remember, I'm like, I, I thought there's no way you're going to hold on to this thing. So I just see this quad spinning and I can't remember. Did you, did you like touch with another rider or something? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so you were going off the face of the jump, right? And you touched yeah. another rider. I can't even explain it. It was like, it was like when Thomas did that flip forward and you can't make any sense as to how he never fell off. That was right. you. It was like, you just, you touch tires, you spun sideways. I think it blew your hands off the bars, right? And yeah. it blew your hands off the bars all of a sudden, very similar to how Thomas all of a sudden just was like, Oh my gosh, I'm still on the quad puts his hands back on the bars. That was you. You had never, the, the tires must have, they were either contacting the ground or slightly off the ground the whole time. And you just, all of a sudden you did a whole 360. You were still going the right way on the track, put your hands back on the bars. And I'm like, Oh my God, please tell me somebody got a video of that. That's all I can think. 
And uh, yeah, that was an amazing experience for me because I was a, I was a young um, pro at the time. I, that must've been my rookie pro year or my second. And uh, I just, again, I remember I always looked up to you, Todd. So um, it was a cool thing for me too, because I know, you know, you wanted the opportunity to ride a pro race quad. Um, that was kind of what stemmed that whole motivation to that thing. And, um, and it was cool for me because I helped, I felt like I was helping a friend, but also somebody I looked up to accomplish a goal of theirs. And, and, um, I think I had just as much feeling of accomplishment that day as, as you did. Sure. Sure. So, so last weekend I raced Stan again at Redbud after, after some friendly banter on Facebook. <laughs> this was a grudge match. <laughs> so this was a grudge match. So Saturday, well, Friday's practice, we went out for practice together. And on the first lap, I, I, I sent it over the Rockers' leap. And I didn't make it. Okay. I came up short. Okay. I came up so short that I bottomed out and went down to one knee onto my nerf bar and oh, almost shit. came off. Okay. And so I'm thinking, oh no, no, not not now. <laughs> not now. Okay. So uh, I tried to ride with Stan in practice, and I could not catch Stan in practice on Friday. So Saturday comes for our first race, and I got I got a bad start off the, the gate, and I rode too conservative the first lap. Okay. I don't know why, but always in the first lap, I, I just – I tried to find lines, I tried to find a rhythm, you know, and so I was behind Jack Moore, and I, I finally got my Jack coming down off the, the Monza wall. Okay. So now I put my head down and started charging, charging harder into the corners, charging harder out of the corners, pushing the quad down, doing everything I can. Okay. On the third lap, I entered the sand whoops, and I see Stan, and I went flying by him. <laughs> so you know how brutal the whoops were. Oh, my gosh. I went through there wide open. Okay. And I passed Stan like he was tied to a stump. <laughs> oh, gosh. So now Stan picked up on the last lap and started charging. Okay. I bet I put five blocks on stand on the last lap. Oh, shoot. So now we're coming up the Rockers Leap right before the checkered flag, and I've got the inside line, and I went into the second to last turn thinking, okay, protect, protect, protect. And I took the inside line, and he reeled the outside and passed me at the last second for the chicken flag. Oh, no. Okay. And I want people to understand, Todd, I want people to understand that, um, you know, you raced 
uh, Stan, who's a guy that we all know, we all remember him from being the ITP guy at the races. And he's a, he's a guy, big daddy, Stan Davies, a guy that all of us know. Um, but this is something that you've been wanting. You've been trying to arrange for a few years now, this red bud, this red bud, quote unquote, grudge match, uh, you know, after friendly banter type thing. And it finally happened. So I just wanted to make sure that we, that we inflated this to know that, uh, on both sides, there was, there was like, you know, a lot of pride riding on this. Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, so, of course, we go back to the pits and stand on cloud nine. <laughs> okay. So, Stan thought I was Joe Bird out there blocking him. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I, I blocked him so hard so many times. Yep. But you know what? Kudos to him because he picked it up on the last lap and he won. He yeah. won a fair square. Right. So yep. fair that he roosted me right before the chicken flag. <laughs> Isn't there a picture going around yeah, about that? There's a picture of it. Yeah, I thought so. We'll have to post okay. that on our social media. So I'm racing hard the whole race, focused, and my quad is cutting out bad. Okay. Well, you know, from mid to top end, my quads cutting out. So I did everything I could to get it to the checker flat. Okay. So Sunday morning comes, and we are there for our final race. I get another bad start. Going into the second turn after the start, I'm right behind Stan. And I'm thinking, I got to beat him. I got I, I to gotta beat him. Okay. He got hung up on a pile up in the in the second turn. Okay. So the last second, I I went to the right and got around him and took off and charged. I charged all four laps to the checker flag and I I beat Stan by I don't know four or five places. Okay. Yeah. He uh, he rolled up by my uh, by my trailer after when he was leaving the track because. Uh, very similar thing happened to me on Sunday. And he said, yeah, man, the same thing happened to me. Todd got me. <laughs> you know, and so I've always said this, that the real winner of that grudge match was just getting Stan back out there on the racetrack one last time. Yep. You know, he is such a great guy. He's a great person for the sport. And, yep. you know, and we, you know, he he really he really matched up well with me for a race. And I didn't know it, but your mom told me that the fans lined up the, the fences watching this race. That's what I heard that too. Yep. And you know, but as as a racer, I had no idea because I'm so focused on racing and going fast. Of course you are. Oh yeah. You know, you know? Yep. And so it was. It was a lot of fun to race with Stan, and uh, I'm I'm two two in the O now over Stan. And, uh, I don't know if there'll be a third a third match or not. Uh, it was so special though, because again, like you said, it wasn't necessarily who won or who lost. It was all in good fun. Um, obviously, it feels good to be the one on top now, uh, but. Um, 
it's just like, that's what it's all about, right? You know, you've, you found a way to get your buddy back to the track and, you know, racing against each other, competing against each other, having fun, doing what we love. Like that's, that's what it's all about. But, you know, we've been buddies obviously for, you know, for, for a long time now. And I've obviously followed your racing very closely for the last handful of years. And um, you were a totally different animal there at Red Bud. It looks like to me, uh, it just looked like you grabbed another gear, Todd. You know, you, you came away with second in the 50 plus class, sixth in the vintage two stroke class, a top 10 in the 40 plus. And um, like you said, that wasn't even the whole story because then you had the, the, the competition with, with Stan too. That was, uh, you were just, you were motivated obviously to get that thing done. Well, when, when Stan told, told me that that was the best that he's ever seen me ride, that's the best compliment I could ever get. Yeah, and he's, he's not lying. That's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, you were, like I said, you were on another level, I swear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I've, I raced at Sunset last, I think, in June. Yep. And I, I, I figured out some, some different changes to my – to my racing that kind of carried over to the red bud. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I put in the, the work and I went out there and I executed and came out a, a, a winner. Yeah. I think it's, um, again, it's so special. It was so cool to see. And that's why I wanted to make sure I got in there that that was as good as I can remember seeing you ride uh, mm-hmm. as well. But I mean, you know, you've been racing for 33 years. It's cool that you're still finding goals to accomplish. You're still, you're still out there just enjoying it. I mean, like, I don't know that I'm going to find another person that loves or enjoys the sport as much as you do, you know? Um, well, I was going to ask you, name, name, one, name one athlete that has been in their sport for 33 years. Right. I mean, I, in our sport, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and there's obviously, there's obviously people that do what they love, do these sports compete. You know, we, you see it on sports center, you see it on what we see highlights of a, of an older person or, or whatever doing these things that they love, but it's just um, it's, it's amazing. That's why I said in our sport, you're you're a notable person and you have been for so long and to see you still doing it after three plus decades later it's it's really 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 special and um, one thing that I guess was never mentioned but something that you've said to me over the years is um, being active helps you right it helps your body it helps you stay more mobile right like um, that's a thing so it's almost like ATV racing is a treatment for you in a way, is it not? That is correct. Yeah. Um, with with CP, the more that I work out my muscles, um, the better off I will stay healthy. Yep. So you are correct that the racing is like a treatment for me, and once I once I stop and sit down. For a long period of time, I can, I can uh, regress and go backwards. Sure. And so I don't want to do that. And so um, I went to a specialist, a um, a um, neurologist. Okay. And this neurologist was blown away about how tuned my body is, because all my muscles are tense twenty four seven. 
Okay. And so that's the way that I stay fit. I'm toned. I'm strong. Yep. And, uh, and that, that helps me stay mobile. So the whole idea here is that the ATV, that the ATC helped me become included with friends and helped me progress with my disability to learn how to walk and be active and gain strength. Yep. Yep. I think uh, that's why, and again, I had this vision and I still want to do it, like do a for the love of the sport type of episode. And just like you talked about having articles done about you and other people who still do this, still love this sport, despite having other obstacles to overcome that some of us don't have. That's an episode that I, that I wanted to put together and still plan to. So I'd like you to still be a part of that. But yeah, like I, I wanted to get you on now because you had such a great weekend, but that, that is kind of the message is ATV racing opened opened like a door for you that led you to the rest of your life. Right. I mean, the getting you on wheels, getting you mobile, like, I mean, I don't know without that ATC, without ATVs, without, you know, without these vehicles of any kind, I guess, starting off with, you know, the stuff that came even before the four wheelers. But I mean, that's what truly makes you who you are and made you who you are today. And I just think that that's uh, such a, such a cool story. And I hope that uh, I hope that my listeners enjoy it as much as I do, because again, still to this day, you're somebody I really look up to. And um, it was just a great story to listen to for us. Great. Thank you very much. Well, Todd, congrats on a, on a killer weekend. You're such a good role model, like I said, and I cherish our friendship so much. Um, stoked to see you have an awesome weekend like we just got done talking about. No one deserves it more than you. And, um, but like we kind of started to say, win, lose, or draw, I know that you were just stoked to be out there doing what you love to do. So do you have any, any parting words for our listeners uh, before you go? Uh, I just want to thank some sponsors that have helped me out over, over the years, you know. Um, okay. That will be Alba Sports, Fast Company, uh, Sure, Sure Shine Polishing, okay. World of Power Sports, Den Racing, uh, SF Racing, and Redbud. Uh, they've, they've been major contributors to my racing program. And, uh, you know, I couldn't do it without those, those sponsors. Um, and so I will leave you with six words. Life is what you make it. Yeah. Simple as that. No, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think, uh, you were dealt, you were dealt a, a hand and, um, the way that your makeup is, the way your motivation, the way you are, you're just a, you're somebody who's going to make the best out of everything. And it seems like that's what you've always done. So I just uh, really appreciate your time. I appreciate you getting on here with me and telling a little bit of your story. Like I mentioned, I look forward to getting you back on here for a little more. And uh, just in the meantime, congrats again. And, you know, you set the bar pretty high, Todd, if you want to, if you want to come out next year at Redbud and do even better. So you might have to start grinding away right now. Who knows? But uh, it's exciting. Like I said, you kind of mentioned um, you want to be at the next couple, next handful of races here, finish out this season possibly. And I sure hope that you pull it off because uh, it's just good to have you at the races. That's for sure. Great. Thank you. 
Thanks again, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Man. I love that guy so much that we could all learn about the power of positivity and how important perception is in this thing called life. I looked up to Todd since I was a little boy and I always will. It was an honor to have him join me here on the show. And as we close the book on Redbud, we start to look forward to the next event at Lake Sugar Tree. It's a venue the series has never went to before, so I thought the perfect way to end this episode would be with a representative from the track to give us a lowdown before we get to Virginia. I have to say I'm super excited to get down there following this conversation. Check it out. And now our final guest of the night, brought to you by the folks at Yamaha Outdoors and their industry-leading YFZ450R. We're stoked to bring on the owner of Lake Sugar Tree, the next stop of the ATV Motocross National Championship Tour, Ryan Smith. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, just working away at uh, getting ready for all you guys to come out here. We started last week cleaning things up, but, uh, you know, for the most part this year, we've been wide open um, with events. So just trying to do some final touches around the property. So it's up to everybody's standards. Oh, that's awesome. It's great to have you here, of course. Um, so yeah, you guys at Lake Sugar Tree are getting ready for, you know, your first um, ATV, you know, motocross national. And as a Loretta Lynn's replacement race, this is a pretty big deal, man. So uh, you guys got to be stoked. Yeah, we are. When, when we got the call, um, it was kind of like, whoa, you're, you know, replacing Loretta's with us. And, you know, this whole year, uh, we've, we've had, we've taken on quite a few events that got canceled around the places. So when Harv made the call, um, it, it was an awesome opportunity. Um, made a couple calls, got everything situated and uh, told him, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, I've known Harv for a long time and been around the racing for a long time. So I was excited for the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you're a, you're a professional bike rider were in the past too yourself. Right. So, I mean, you're a, you're a rider's, track owner so to speak yeah and and uh you know i did it professionally till 2013 which i still do a race here and there but uh you know everyone like tonight they're like ryan ride as we have practice here at the track and i'm like man we've been going at it since seven o'clock this morning uh i'm yeah. just excited to watch everybody else ride but um yeah we've been been around it you know I, when i raced professionally my dad was actually the atv Yep. um national referee for a long time and that's uh you know they had a smitty memorial race at birch creek i think it was 2013 or 14 when they did it so yep. when harvey gave me the call he was like dude if we can do this and do another smitty memorial that'd be cool as you know he he lived you know grew up i grew up here he was here and uh you know lived just a couple miles away yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, I wanted to give you a chance to come on and talk about your track, uh, a venue that, you know, we've, you know, many of us have never been to before. So give me a little history of the racetrack if you can, because I heard before there was a motocross track there, there was supposedly, you know, supposed to be something totally different back in the day at that location. Am I right? Yeah, so it was actually going to be, and it would be crazy because Axton would actually be on the map, but uh, it okay. was going to be like a King's Dominion, a, um, you know, a big amusement park, and they came out, they surveyed, they did all the stuff, we're about to pull the trigger, and I, I guess somebody kind of thought about it, was like, what, what, where are we drawing people from in Axton, Virginia? Um, but to me, I'm like, you know, it would have been cool to have one here, but here we are with a motocross track, you know. Um, we talk, I think it's, you know, we're going on 50 years 
okay. um, since it was built. You know, uh, Avery Mills, a guy that's actually still in the area, uh, they, they built it. And, um, you know, obviously David owned it. Um, and then when he got hurt, he sold it to my grandfather. So it's always been in the family. And, and now here I am keeping it going. And it's, uh, I've got a three or about to be three-year-old daughter. And uh, I always tell her, I'm like, look, you got to get in that bobcat. By the time you're five, you're prepping the track and I'm kicking back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool to have it in the family like that. And um, yeah, so that was basically supposed to be like an amusement park type thing, right? Like that was what it would have been? Yep. Yeah, that was that was going to be it. And, uh, you know, full on amusement park, just like a, a King's Dominion or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, the person, the person that had told me this story, um, a friend of mine from Virginia there, they're like, yeah, like imagine, you know, like a, like a uh, Disney World type thing, but in Virginia. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, we always laugh about it because I'm like, you know, what, whoever thought of that idea in Axton, Virginia, um, I don't know what they were thinking, but, you know, thankfully they didn't pull the trigger because here we are at Lake Sugar Tree. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. So um, you gave us a little history of the place there. Now tell my listeners what um, they can expect when we get down there to Virginia as far as like, what's the dirt like? What's the vibe of the racetrack? And um, are you going to have to make any changes to the facility to accommodate the ATV Nationals? Yeah, so actually, you know, for the most part, we did, there was a couple spots that were a little tight uh, as far as ATV racing. Um, we made a couple of changes on some obstacles and widen a couple places up but for the most part um you know we're, we're gonna run it just like we always do um i'm always super super picky um from apparel to the track i'm like look if it's not good and i wouldn't ride it or i wouldn't wear it i don't want it so okay. yeah. um you know it's it's clay um there's a little bit you know we've put some sawdust in some sections but i don't go overkill with it because i like the the natural um, yes. terrain, I, I don't like the full on where people put, you know, loads and loads of mulch and, you know, you're supposed to have, you know, different soils at different tracks and stuff. That's what makes it cool. So absolutely. Um, and that's, that's unnatural. I feel like, you know, to add that much mulch, add that much sawdust type of thing. I, I think that's unnatural. And um, I love a, I love a good clay track. So that's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm big on, you know, especially when we have, you know, the motorcycles here and stuff. Um, I let the track get super, super rough. You know, if, if the faces of jumps or something to where it could get dangerous, somebody could get hurt. Um, as far as on a jump, we'll clean it up. But as far as the corners and, you know, the straightaways and the bumps and stuff, I always just, you know, let it get rough because that's when the good riders come out. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I always say if a rut starts on the inside, when it gets deep, it starts another and then another and then another. Then the good riders are going to stay inside, but the ones that aren't very technical, they're going to end up on the outside losing time. Yep. So I'm big about, you know, letting the track get rough and, and people are always like, dude, you got to go out there and plow it during intermission. I'm like, no, the track's just getting right. There you go. Yeah. And uh, I mean, um, you obviously have a great facility there, a great racetrack because you earned uh, the right to host a uh, ATV national. So um, I don't think that you needed to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. Earlier on the show, Chad Weenan, we had Chad Weenan on and uh, he just wanted to make sure that the thing was going to be wide enough for us. And it sounds like that's not going to be an issue. So um, that's super exciting. No, yeah, it's, it's uh, like I said, we're, we're actually going to have, um, you know, I got, uh, I, I got to give him a shout out. Michael Allred's a local guy here and, yep. um, here, 
he's going to um, come out and, you know, we, the things that we are going to change just a little bit, um, we're going to have a couple of them just test it and basically give me feedback. Like I said, this is my first, first ATV um, based event, but uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to give them the best uh, opportunity for some great racing. Um, that's, that's the main goal. Awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, I think uh, Mike is a good guy for that job too. And it's cool. I mean, I can just listen to you talk and I can tell, uh, you know, you have a racer's mindset, so you're going to have this thing tip top for us. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, finally, I have to believe, and you started to mention it there, but I have to believe you have a special place in your heart for ATV racing because of your your father. He was a long time, uh, you know, major part of the ATV community for a lot of years. Um, this event will serve as a, a, more, a memorial for your dad, um, longtime series referee. And again, I have to imagine that that just makes this opportunity that much more special for you and I I fully expect you guys to knock this thing out of the park especially after talking to you here yeah it's we're looking forward to it you know like uh my little brother Blake um he was 14 I believe when my dad passed and like my dad never wanted him racing well my dad passed and he was always around the track helping us and stuff and he's like hey Ryan can you get me a bike and I'm like oh <laughs> don't put that on me but now he's <laughs> super involved he rides and stuff but uh He's okay. actually really, really smart. So I tell him, I'm like, look, just ride for fun and, uh, you know, focus on school. But he's involved with the track. He's actually our finish line flagger at all the events, helps me around here. My sister um, helps me here and sign up. My mom um, helps, you know, around here. So it's all one big family operation, and, and we're looking forward to it. Like I said, I've known Harv for a long time. I actually – I would text Harv anytime I was going to a race that he was at. And I'd be like, hey, Harv, I'll see you this weekend. He'd text me back and be like, seriously? He's like, <laughs> you don't really need to come. But, uh, uh, that's funny. you know, I was, I was hard-headed when I was racing and stuff. But one of the big things, like, I stayed over after Loretta Lynn's. I think it might have been. What, what year was it that uh, Natalie won the title? 2011. Yeah, somewhere back then. I stayed over um, and just stayed with my dad during it and uh, – you know, what was always funny is because if anybody knew my dad away from the track, he was like, I don't just everyone laugh at him yep. joking all the time. But I'm telling you, like after that weekend, when he walked up in the riders meeting and started talking, every one of those guys just was like, you could hear any, like it was just so quiet and they were just focused on him. And we walked away. I looked at him. I was like, Dad, I think they're terrified of you. <laughs> I, I like, remember those days yes yeah and, and like I've had people come here to the track ATV people racing in our, our local series and they're like your dad disqualified me da 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 and they'd be all mad and then they'd be like you know what though he was right and I'm like look you don't have to tell me anything he's disqualified me on three different occasions at a race <laughs> like straight up black flag me at a local race packed me like sent me out the gate and I'm like seriously but it didn't matter My if dad. it was me. Yeah, it didn't matter if it was me or the national champ. Like, he treated everybody the same, so it was cool. And, uh, you know, I talked to Kerry Joe about it and some things that we're going to do. So, looking forward to it. We're going to have a good time. Um, actually, a, a local guy that sings at a lot of our um, bigger races and stuff, he's going to be here Saturday night. So, you know, we're going to have a good time and uh, hopefully put on a really good show and looking forward to seeing everybody. And, um, like I said, Joel has been here before a few years ago. Um, and it was, it was funny, a kid that was living here that was doing pro motocross stuff was like, oh, ATVs, you know, they're, that's lame. And I said, hey, 
I think he ended up riding Hayden's, but I'm like, Hayden, let him do a lap. So he does one lap and he comes back and he goes, how the heck do they get around the track? And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I was like, the, I would never jump a four-wheeler. Like, I've tried. I've rode race four-wheelers and I'm just like, ah, oh, no way. Right. But uh, much respect to all of them. I mean, even some of the kids down in the Super Mini and, and all the smaller stuff. But, I mean, they rip. So looking forward to it. Um, I know a lot of locals are and can't wait to see everybody. Yeah, I can't wait to get back down there. Um, again, just to tie up that thought, I do think that it's a that it's a cool thing to have, you know, a memorial for your dad. We kind of did this once before years ago, and to have another one will be really cool. And, uh, yeah, just to tie up that thought, uh, yeah, we had a couple of run-ins too, but he was always so fair. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, there was definitely people that didn't want to – you didn't want to cross him, you know. So, yeah. uh, so, so um, a lot of good memories. And, uh, yeah, he deserves it. You guys deserve to have this event. It's uh, got me that much more excited after the, um, after the conversation we had here. Lake Sugar Tree Motorsports Park in Axon, Virginia, August 21st through the 23rd. The next stop on the ATV Motocross National Championship Tour, in memory of Smitty, Robert Smith. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, that we're coming to your track, like I said, especially after having this conversation, um, going to a track with ATV ties and um, going to a track that truly wants to host um, ATVs. So I can't thank you enough for everything and, and joining me here. And uh, I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, look forward to seeing everybody. And, you know, I'll be, I'll put, be putting some teaser stuff up on our social medias and stuff on Instagram and Facebook. So stay tuned. And, uh, Thank you for the time. Yeah, absolutely. I just gave you a follow and uh, all, all the listeners, make sure you, you follow, uh, follow along too. So we'll see you soon and uh, can't wait. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. Wow. Four great guests tonight. We covered Redbud to the nth degree, heard some amazing stories from some great guys and got a first look at Lake Sugar Tree. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Chad Weenan, Nick DeNoble, Todd Mackey, and Ryan Smith from Lake Sugar Tree Motorsports Park. Thanks as well to my producer, my brother Dallas, who always finds time to fit the podcast into his busy schedule. Thanks, Dallas. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks to Brooke. Thanks to AMA official Harv Whipple for all he does to assist us. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, Yamaha. Thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Wienan Motorsports, the Decker Training Facility, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Blenders Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, Avocado Green Mattress, Roman Health, Factory 43, and Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find all of our episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our show merchandise, and more all on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Week after week, you continue to let us know how much you enjoy what we're doing here. You guys seem to have a passion that matches ours. And though this takes so much work, you keep us going. You are the reason we never stop grinding at this podcast. So thanks to all of you who passionately tune in week after week. 
You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Basically, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. The show is available to anyone and everyone, so go to diggingdeepatvmx.com for help finding us on your preferred podcast provider. Available for purchase on our website today, you can show your support by wearing our apparel. Digging Deep shirts, hoodies, and more are available with free shipping and all proceeds going directly towards constant growth and improvement of the show. Thanks for all the support and for wanting to represent what we're doing here. We're super proud of our gear. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to donate via Patreon if it suits you. Simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the Support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvement of the show, with perks available to those who contribute, including hearing your name on the show. We have listeners who simply shoot us a few bucks every month, and honestly, it all helps. So if you want to support us, this is a perfect way to do so. Remember, you can always call our voicemail line with questions, topic suggestions, business inquiries, and more. Our show number is 920-569-3519, so check that out, and you may hear yourself on an upcoming show. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional behind-the-scenes content and insider info leading up to and at the races. You know I love the screenshots showing that you're listening, so send those in, and I promise to keep sharing them. It's a simple and effective way to help spread the word. I love sharing those. Be sure to subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts, wear our shirts and hoodies. It truly helps with show sponsorship. It helps spread word about us, all while growing the sport that we love. So I can't stress how important that is. If you enjoy what we're doing, that's a great way to help us stick around long into the future. Next up is Lake Sugar Tree in Axton, Virginia, August 21st through the 23rd. Can't wait to get to what they call the country club of motocross. We'll go racing once again, see how it all shakes out this time, and then come back to dig deep into it. I hope you enjoyed another episode, and if you're new to us, check out our past shows with Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick, Thomas Brown, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Doug Gust, Josh Creamer, Dustin Wimmer, Gary Denton, Dustin Nelson, and so many more. With that, for Chad Weenan, Nick DeNoble, Todd Mackey, Ryan Smith, Dallas Jansen, Brooke Catherine, and I'm your host Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, a million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. were hauling ass for real i remember watching doug gus i don't know who it was steel city running the same times friday afternoon as james stewart was on sunday back then at steel city uh, I, I would need to check this out I, I, i'm dead serious it was mental i've never seen quads go that fast it's not easy steve it's not easy listen jb <laughs> no, i don't want to it's, it's not easy. i don't want to hear quad are freaking nice you don't like chew big red then what the <laughs> like,